This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, welcome in another edition of the opening kickoff. As we begin, and Lee is just tearing the studios apart. Nothing is safe in the studios of WNSP. That's what happens when you're away. You know, you come in here, and I got to get all my frustrations out, so I just tear it apart. Yeah, man, if you guys would have joined us a minute earlier, you would have heard all hell break loose right here in the studios of WNSP. Welcome in. Mark, Lee, and Bronner all back together again for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. We'll have a Chick-fil-A for you. We'll have the Alec Naaman qualifying for you. Uh, and, oh, yeah, we'll talk some sports along the way as well. Yeah, time is not standing still when I come in. <laughs> all right. Uh, based on our audience uh, uh, participation, we will start with the NFL. Uh, I listened to the public. They have spoken. The Dallas Cowboys rebounded from their disastrous loss last time uh, when they got uh, crushed by the 49ers and all kinds of uh, critiques. So Dak Prescott and the Cowboys went out yesterday and won the game over the Chargers 20-17. to 17. Uh, The Chargers, much like Oregon, Mark had opportunities with field goals. And instead went for it on fourth down and couldn't convert. So Dallas wins by three. I don't know if I should bring this up, but I guess I will. Jalen Tolbert uh, played in the game, but muffed a punt late yeah, in the game. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it was. I was hoping he – I always looked to see in the box score if he caught a few passes, the McGill-Toolin uh, South Alabama player. Speaking about the Jags, tonight, 630, uh, ESPN2. They're at home. They're at Hancock-Whitney. Uh, they're hosting Southern Miss, a team they have beaten three years in a row now. Uh, conference game. So we'll be talking about that throughout the morning. Uh, it's kind of neat having a, thir- a Tuesday night uh, game to talk about locally. So uh, we'll keep that on the agenda. Uh, we mentioned about the Cowboys. So last night in baseball, you're not going to believe this. I'm not. No, you're not. You think I'm this diehard baseball fan, right? You are. I didn't even know, I didn't even know Texas and Houston were playing last what? night. Um, you got to renew that subscription to TV Guide. Yeah, and is that still out? Uh, I have I have no clue. Well, so it's a I'm watching a show, I'm binging on a show yesterday, and and then I'm looking you know on my iPad I'm like sixth inning the American League game I totally lost sight of that, and Texas did win in Houston winning the first two games the percentage of winning the series really up with that so they're leading two games to none uh, somebody you guys are. Um, not very familiar with, but you got the same last name. The go-ahead run, Heim, home run. Yeah. You think he knows who we are? Probably. Probably not. Yeah. But you know what? If you go back on your family tree mm-hmm. and maybe take a look at that, who knows? Maybe there's a, he's a I know you're really hoping for some sort of relationship here. Well, what I want is to find out that he's related to you, and then you get him on the show. Okay. All right? We've had your brother on. We've had your dad on. Steven, he can come on if he wants to. Okay. All right. Uh, but we, we got to get if he's if he's available. My gosh, the guy was an all-star catcher this year. His home run, even though it padded the lead to five to one, turned out to be the decisive run. They won five to four. So then I did tune in the National League 
uh, playoff. And the first pitch of the game to Kyle Schwarber, home run. Bryce Harper, two batters later, 31st birthday, home run. You know what I found interesting about Bryce Harper? You wrote about this yesterday. We didn't talk about it, and I'm, and I'm sure it's not a major issue. But he says if uh, the Major League Baseball officials allow it, he'd like to play for uh, USA in the Olympics in 2028 since they added baseball. Hmm. But, of course, the sport that was added that I'm really looking forward to is cricket. I knew you were going to say cricket. cricket. Actually, you know what's going to be cool? Flag football. Seriously. Flag football is one of the cooler sports you will watch. I will be hooked. I don't know why they're including flag football. It doesn't seem like that's a, there's a whole lot of interest. Men or women? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's men. I don't know. But it, it seems like we would have the upper hand in that sport, so I'm not complaining. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of interest worldwide in flag football, but that is a sport that I would watch all day long. Now, the only thing I know about squash is eating it. I I don't know anything about squash as far as the rules. That's added. Lacrosse I like. I read where cricket was added to up the rights fee to India by millions of dollars. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It is. I mean, how many people are going to watch this? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. I say that. You know, the Olympic Games are in Los Angeles, so there'll be obvi- obviously opportunities to watch more sports live than if it's across the uh, the pond or something like that. But, yeah, I say, you know, who's going to I know ice skating. Ice skating, that's winter. Uh, gymnastics, track and field. Those are the big sports that grab the ratings, basketball. But, you know, there'll be a, like a certain identity of people that if – if the U.S. if the major leaguers are allowed to play, you know maybe they'll you know tune in lacrosse. Perhaps there's a contingent. Lacrosse is very popular in the East Coast. Cricket, I have no idea. Squash, I don't know anything about playing squash. And flag football might be interesting too. I'm telling you, it's flag football or nothing. I don't give a rat's posterior. About Especially that if they allow some NFL players to play. Nah. Although, could you see like Tyreek Hill on the field for like flag football? That would be crazy. Like, who would be your NFL, like, roster for, for flag football? If you – I guess they would play, what, seven, nine guys? It's like probably seven, right, in flag football? You'd have, like, three receivers, a running back, quarterback, what's that, five, a center, A six. center. So maybe, like, seven, maybe eight or nine guys. Like, who would be the – who would be your starting wideouts and running back in flag football? Well, you mentioned a good one there in Hill. Yeah, you, you, I tell you, you could just take the Miami Dolphins receivers, Waddle, Hill. That would be good. Uh, every team has. Uh, how about how about the Rams now? Uh, Cups back, uh, and and that rookie they have, Nakura, he's doing very well. There's a whole bunch of them. The only thing you have to be aware of. You remember a few years ago, the uh, at the Pro Bowl, leading up to it, they had flag football and and. There was a – I forget his name. It may, Maybe Edwards comes to mind, but I don't know which one uh, suffered a, a serious injury. I'm not worried about all that. All right. We won't we're worry we're about playing that. for our country. Okay. That's, Suck it up and play. That's the important thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking about injuries, Brock Bauer's out now for, what, three to six weeks. He's having surgery on that ankle that he sprained uh, the other day. So he's going to be out for a while. And good news for the uh, Buffalo Bills, Damian Harris, the former Alabama running back who was hospitalized, a very scary hit. He's out of the hospital, so uh, he's ready to go. But I got some Saints news for you. Okay. So it's a short turnaround for our New Orleans Saints. They have they host Jacksonville on Thursday. Because of the short turnaround, there is the possibility that Trevor Lawrence will not play. He's questionable. 
They're not sure they want to play him. What take the, it. Yeah, with the injury he had. <laughs> it's not a serious injury. It's a knee sprain, but they may not play him. C.J. Beathard would be his backup. The other story, last week we talked about this. You can't go a day without an apology. Derek Carr has come out and apologized to offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael for his blow-up on the sideline. I don't remember seeing it. Maybe you did. Uh, Carr said it wasn't personal against Carmichael. He was just frustrated that they had over 400 yards. They were in the red zone. They couldn't score. It wasn't about play calling. It wasn't about anything to do with Carmichael. It was about detail to assignments. So why is he apologizing to Carmichael? I don't know. He apologized to him on the flight back from uh, Houston. Whatever. Yeah, so let's uh, let's not play Trevor Lawrence and and who who's going to start in his place? C.J. Beathard. Yeah, he'll be the next All Pro now because he'll go out there and be like twenty-seven of thirty-one for you know three fifty and three scores. All right. Hey, I do want to remind uh, our listeners, even though we're not at uh, Wing Fingers, that registration box will stay around for a couple of weeks now. You have uh, two days today and tomorrow to register for Alabama. Tennessee tickets. We will name the winner Thursday morning. All right. So, uh, Mr. Brauner here, we got a minute or so. What's the difference between winning the game and beating your opponent? Mm. I think Alabama put on a fine display of that. <laughs> they won the game. But I don't did they beat their opponent? Not really. I mean, I think they've put on a master class of beating their opponent for 15 years and uh not not so much this year yeah i think when you say beat the opponent you look at what michigan did to indiana you look at what penn state to the university of massachusetts so you could argue that washington won the game but didn't beat oregon correct oregon did a nice job of beating oregon they helped yeah you got to have help nick saban just Getting all deep and philosophical on it. I told you, he's a different type of person. He, right now, would be a very good professor at one of the classrooms. You guys were getting all over Dan Lanning yesterday. And sh why shouldn't we? Yeah, you went down swinging. I like it. Okay, so you were okay with saying, no, we're not going to. In a game like that, I, Michael, my gut feeling in a game like that, you're on the road, you're facing, as you are, a top 10 team. You go for the points. No, I like being aggressive. All right, fine. So, I mean, like, you you don't, you, don't, you don't have a problem with Pedro Serrano swinging at that curve all, all during the major league? No, I mean, you uh, lay, it, lay off the curve, dude. I, I, I liked it. You okay with the Everyone uh, Chargers? Everyone would be singing his praises if it worked. How about the Chargers? You, you like what they did yesterday, aggressive? Yeah, Staley, Staley's been doing that for... And, you know, he's and, and, he's been and he's been losing. Now. And he's been losing. Yeah. That's okay, though, right? As long as you're aggressive. Well. Well, what? You're aggressive? What do you want? You want to win or be aggressive? Well, the analytics would say... Uh, oh, I don't hate that word, analytics. <laughs> I hate <laughs> I that you was are a bad, you. bad person today. You can forget that, any Chick-fil-A's today, Michael. That is a well, the analytics you would you say... Can, uh, you know, with Saban, you don't ask about expectations, and with me, you don't bring up analytics. No, I'm not a fan of Brandon Staley's. I never have been, uh, but I do like Dan Lanning. I like being aggressive on the road in a big game. Go for it. All right, so it's one thing to go for. Did you like the play calls? That I did have an issue with. 
All right, so you can it, you can be it can be both. Like you can yeah. like the aggressiveness, but not like the play call. Well, the play so call well, play call is only good if you score. Right. I, I mean, agree. You hear you always hear these uh, well the announcers. What a great call by the offensive coordinator! But you never hear when they don't get it. Gosh, that was a lousy call by the well, offensive I, I think coordinator. You're seeing more of that. I, I do think you're seeing more of that. Um, for instance, I don't in the it. Saints game. I think it was third and three or whatever, and he handed off to Kamara almost like it was his own read, and dude came flying off the corner untouched. Like, why are we calling that play with Derek Carr quarterback? Like, wouldn't it make more sense if Taysom Hill were quarterback, and that way he could read that in coming down, and then you could you could fake it to Kamara if you had to and take off? Yeah, I, was, ref you, you I was referring to college, though. Right, yeah. I understand, but yeah. that's, that's the example that comes to mind. Like, you can, you can like the play call, but... Or you can like the idea of going forward or running it there, but not like the play The only call. commentator in, uh, that I hear that criticizes calls is Robert Griffin III. He's the only one. The others are, wow, what a oh, great he's call. Been, and he's gotten his share of heat for some That's right. He has, but, but he's outspoken on the air. All right, so we set the table. Here's what's coming up. Uh, we'll talk some high school sports as we always do in our 6.30 segment. Travis Ryer on Alabama at 7. Jerry Palm at 7.30. Daniel McCarthy on the Jags today at 8. Justin Ferguson on the Jags at 8.30. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee. 105.5 FM WNSP. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. Injured list. There's a fly ball to left field, and Jonah Heim hits it out. There's that power you're talking about. It's not just the singles. Plenty of sack in that bat as well, and the Rangers get the run right back. 623, welcome back in. Just getting started here on a Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. All right, that home run by Jonah Heim gave Texas a 5-1 lead. Turned out to be the uh, game winner because the Astros came back, rallied, but lost 5-4, so that was the go-ahead home run. Congratulations to the Heim family. Soak it in, my friend. Soak it in. Yeah. All right, you guys can jump in on the conversation. I mean, if we, there was ever a baseball player with the name of Shervanian, I'd be we, thrilled. We wouldn't be here in the end of it. You wouldn't. Mm. Uh, someone said, this is why Oregon hasn't really dropped. They were rewarded for aggressiveness. Okay, that's fine. Now, uh, when the committee meets, and maybe uh, they're trying to sort out who's going to be and, and that's the key really that i i guess that first poll comes out what at the uh, beginning I of november i don't think i don't think they didn't drop because of their aggressiveness i think they they lost by three to a top five team right yes or whatever they were going at seventh or whatever seventh, right. whatever they were so i just think i think i think they're kind of where they are because that's where they are i mean had they lost by 10 or Look, if this was next year, maybe they would have fallen some, but it was a three-point game. If this was next year, it wouldn't matter. Twelve teams ago, both of them were going to go, right? Now, I will say that, and we talked about this yesterday, too, despite the inability to convert on fourth down, he had the ball with a chance to win there at the end of the game. I mean, it all, it, it's almost like it worked out for him, right? Because Washington, I think as soon as Washington scored, I think everybody assumed, oh, 
They probably scored too quick. Now you're giving Bo Nix the ball back with a chance to win it. Correct. I mean, the game should have gone to overtime. I was kind of hoping for it. That that was one game I didn't want to end. That was by far to me. The yeah, best but then game you would have missed LSU's touchdown in the first minute or two against <laughs> Auburn. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I'll tell you what, I I set a pretty good line with 168. It ended at like 154 on Auburn's passing yards. Do you think maybe in another life or maybe later in your career you might wind up doing that kind of stuff for a living? You seem to really enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe in another maybe life. M- maybe move to Vegas. An online site. How about an online site in Costa Rica? Yeah, maybe, maybe I can do that from here. We'll be getting, we'll be getting, we'll get getting some uh, requests from Bronner to do commercials for him, and he can be like, and if you call now, I got three locks. That's right, three locks. Hey, and if you do it, can you do it quicker than some of those commercials we run on Fan Draft, whatever it's called? Two five one six nine four one zero five five. Got locks, locks, locks. Who in the world can understand or even jot down a number? That is, that's like Jimbo Fisher. You yeah. know, if I was good enough to set lines, Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd probably actually make money from it, you know. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Uh, it was a pretty good line, though. I did take the over on it. <laughs> I got It got close. Yeah. Oh, by the way, so uh, s- interesting. So Jalen Milrow and Nick Saban had kind of different takes on the whole sack discussion. Nick Saban asked if the 31 sacks given up an issue he said hell yeah which i thought was pretty funny jalen milrow asked about tennessee's ability to get to the quarterback didn't seem to bother him very much do you think there's something to what uh mick gillespie said yesterday we we talked about that he's hurt yeah that he's not as mobile as he once was and that it's kind of forcing him to stay in the pocket and not look for his openings to run like he did early in the season it's an interesting theory. Um, I'm not dismissing it. I do think there is a conscious effort to make him a more complete quarterback. So I think he's trying to. I, I think he's trying to stay in the pocket more. Uh, I don't know, Bronner. What do you think? Do you think there's something to it? I don't think it's impossible. I, I think what you're saying also makes a lot of sense. I think he has been trying to stay in the pocket. I also think against A and M. Hurt or not, there was a defined game plan that he was going to have to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Uh, you know, I think he was mostly healthy. If he maybe he tweaks something minor, uh, I don't think he was going to be able to run regardless. And he's just you know making a well, conscious effort to throw from the pocket. I, I go back to a couple of weeks ago and remember the rumor that was circulating. And there was no confirmation or any addressing of it by Nick Saban. And the line changed a little bit that Milrow was hurt, injured. I don't know what word you want to use, whatever. And there was speculation that maybe he wouldn't play. But, of course, he did, and he has been playing. And so I go back to that and wonder if there was any truth to it. Um. Yeah, I don't know if it was like a complete hoax. Like maybe there was some truth to it, but that being said, I I don't I don't think it's been super affecting him. Hmm. He's also been throwing the ball better the past couple games. He's still been improving. Uh, now the offense kind of died against Arkansas, but it wasn't because Milrow was bad. It was really more so because the offensive line was horrible. And now we know why J.C. Latham didn't get moved from right tackle to left tackle. Mm. 
I don't know if I buy that either, but we can discuss that a little bit later in the show as well. When we come back, though, we're going to talk a little high school football. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff here on a very busy Tuesday edition right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Tuesday, and uh, it's time for some fried deliciousness. In yesterday's victory by Philadelphia over Arizona, the Phillies hit three home runs. We talked about Schwarber and Harper, but in the second inning, Nick Castellano, you remember him, Brave fans, he homered. It was his fifth home run in his last three postseason games. Remember in the final two against the Braves, he connected twice. So five homers in his last three postseason games. He is only the second major leaguer to accomplish that. Who was the first? And I'll give you a hint. The first major leaguer to do it, all of his five, came in a World Series. All right. You know the answer? Give uh, Michael a call at 694-1055. Going to talk some high school football. A team that's kind of flying under the radar but deserves a lot more attention these days is B.C. Rain. Lawrence Yelding is the head coach. Lawrence, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Congratulations on your win against UMS Wright. I believe, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the snap the nine-game losing streak to UMS and in the last three games, they had outscored you 114 to 13. How did it happen on Friday? You know, we've been trying to build something for the last uh, four or five years, going on the fifth year right now. And you know, we're just fortunate enough to have some guys that uh, kind of stayed in the program, uh, bought into what it was that we uh, were, were, were putting out there. And, you know, right now, uh, it's just starting to click for us, and you know, guys are playing some really good football. All right, didn't if I, if I remember correctly, didn't UMS Wright get out to an early lead? They did. Um, they went up on us. Uh, you know, kind of pulled all stops, and you know, caught us with. They they drove down and scored uh, their first possession and uh, onside kick and got the ball and uh, kind of went up on us, uh, fourteen to six, and uh, you know, guys just you know, like I say, they fought back. Uh, they were resilient with their in our, in our effort, uh, just in a, in a tribute to the young men in our program uh, who, you know, offensively are you know, pretty uh, senior-laden uh, group. They just didn't get down on themselves. The defense didn't get down on themselves. And uh, we just, you know, just stayed the course, you know, which we told them. Uh, you know, when you face adversity, as you face adversity in life, you know, just as long as as long as you answer the bell and you don't give up, you'll be okay. Uh, so they took that to heart and uh, were resilient and were able to come away with the victory. All right. Was there any play that turned this game around or any point where when you were trailing that a certain play and then all of a sudden your team just took off and wound up winning 31-21? 
Uh, I think a lot of things, uh, you know, we answered there with a big uh, pass there uh, that kind of tied up 14 to uh, 6 uh, when Namari connected with Dylan on an 80-some-yard pass. You know, that kind of was the one that kind of got the spark going. Uh, and then we were able to uh, rip off a couple runs when we picked off a ball uh, there when they were driving late. That would have kind of, you know, would have been really kind of put us in a bad way. We picked it off on two, and then Bryce Dowling uh, ripped off about a 60-yard run, and then we scored. And then right there at the uh, half, uh, on the last play of the on the last play of the half, you know, we kind of um, got the ball and kind of executed a two-minute situation with about 40 some seconds to uh, go up. Uh, right there at the half, 25-21. You know, at that point, you know, I thought that. You know, we were in really good shape, and our guys were, you know, really believing that this was something that could happen. Yeah, Coach, the, those were the 86-yarder the and then the one at the end of half on that fourth down. I think it was a 30-yard touchdown pass. But did you know yes, go? Did you, did you know going in that you would have as much success, or do you think that's where the success would come, was, come, was, was through there? I mean, Amari threw for, like, five touchdowns, so clearly you all saw something at some point that you liked. Well, just watch them on film, and, you know, they're, they're extremely well coached, and, you know, we knew that it was going to be tough to run the football. So it was one of them games, you know, that I talked to him about, you know, at some point, you know, you're going to have to try to go win a couple of football games. And uh, we know what they were doing, you know, defensively. They weren't going to allow uh, Bryce, who still had a, you know, had a good yard over 114, I think, as far as rushing is concerned, uh, with the offensive line. But, you know, they did, and they were going to do a really good job of, balling up the run so you know we thought we had some uh you know we'll be able to take a couple shots uh you know to try to loosen them up a little bit and you know we were just fortunate enough to hit those shots and um you know he did kind of what we asked him to do this is kind of a couple throws when we needed him to bc rain coach lawrence yelding this is kind of the perfect storm brand new stadium team doing well five and two record all right let's talk about amari yelding your son Freshman, well, he's a freshman. He started a quarterback. What's his status right now? And just talk about his progression. Uh, definitely has progressed. You know, we were, you know, something that, something that we didn't want to do. We had a, a young man that kind of got injured a little bit his freshman year, and uh, you know, just decided that you know we would go ahead and go with him. And you know, we were playing in that tough six A region one at the time, and it was you know it was tough sledding those that, that first couple years. But you know, we did some things to allow him to you know just get his feet wet to manage the game. Is all we really asked him to do, and put a little bit more on him uh, every year. Um, and he's kind of soaked it up. You know, he is a, a kid that, you know, loves football, and he spends a lot of time uh, watching film and studying and doing different things. So, you know, right now um, the game is kind of just slowed down for him a little bit. He's seeing it uh, pretty good, and uh, he's performing, you know, at a level. It's getting better every week, and, you know, like I tell him, it's, it's a team concept, and, you know, he's making sure he's trying to be the leader that we need him to be.
those guys are playing really, really well. Uh, and as long as you can protect a little bit, you can block a little bit, and you can stop people from running the ball. You know, in high school football, you have a chance to be successful. And, um, you know, right now, you know, we let one get away early uh, in, in the Viger game. But it was at that point that they decided that, you know, all the goals that we set forth, you know, we're going to have to win some some big foot, some big time football games. And UMS was one of those games uh, that they had circled that they kind of said, we're, we're going to win this game. This is going to be the one. So, you know, again, the preparation part of it has been really, really good. Um, you know, they kind of dialed in. So I'm really excited. You know, just to you know, just to see where it goes. Amari threw five touchdown passes in that game. Is he getting any offers right now, or any colleges looking at him? I mean, just the recruiting process is just you know, it, it's tough right now for for high school kids. Uh, I mean, he has you know some interest. Uh, Tuskegee came in this spring and offered him, uh, as well as Alabama A and M. You know, he's talked to Mississippi College. You know, we actually went over on a visit over there. Um, you know, but other than that, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, we're just kind of waiting and seeing. And, you know, I can tell him those are things that you can't control. Uh, all you can do is control your play. Uh, you can control your academics. And, you know, if push comes to shove, you have to go somewhere and, and try to win a job. That's what you have to do. You know, if you want to play, it doesn't matter how you play. It's just, you know, what the end result of it is. So, you know, he is you know, he's definitely uh, looking to go on and play. Uh but right now, he's just more focused on on this season, um, the task that's at hand. And then after we get done, you know, we'll see, you know, where the recruiting process goes. Uh, hopefully, somebody come in and 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 look at him and see his value, uh, see what he can add to their program, as well as you know the other 14 seniors that we have. You know, they all have something that they can give to you know a college program. They're great kids. They're great students. Um, you know, just looking for an opportunity. All right, let me ask you one more question. This is the you know the first year of the new stadium. As far as the postseason goes, are you still in contention to host? Are you in a position where you could get um, to uh, number two or even number one? There's a lot of things that has to happen. Uh, we kind of looked at it a little bit. Um, it's for the first time, I think that you can be, you know, uh, uh, eight and two. Uh, eight and two football team and quite possibly be uh, the fourth seed with all the top records that are in place right now. Um, you know, we're sitting at um, uh, three and two. So is, um, it was faith is at three and two. Uh, UMS is at three and two. Uh, so, and Centronelle is at, is, is two and three. And then you have Gulf Shores that are that's five and zero oh, and Viper and that's four and two. So, you know, with all the games that we have left, um, you know, there are so many things that can happen. Uh, it's very, it, there's a chance that we could host uh, as a, you know, very slim as a one seed, but maybe as a two seed, uh, but definitely three and four. Coach, congratulations on the success. Uh, best of luck moving forward. We really do appreciate you coming aboard with us. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Uh, did we, uh, we get a winner on that Chick-fil-A? We did not. One more time. Nick Castellano has hit five home runs in his last three postseason games. He is only the second major leaguer to accomplish that in postseason. Who was the first? And the hint is the person that did it 
back when, did it in the World Series. All three games in the World Series. Castellanos had four home runs in his last two games against the Braves. Hit one yesterday. So, last chance. If you don't get that Chick-fil-A question right, you know who it goes to. That's right. It's certainly not going to Mr. Analytics over there, that's for sure. (laughs) I think we made that very clear earlier today. All right. So, uh, while we're working on that, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can catch up with Mr. David Green. Travis Ryer will join us at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to Jerry Palm at 7.30. Uh, Daniel McCarthy on the Jags at 8 o'clock. Justin Ferguson on Auburn at 8.30. Man, we're just, we're just jam-packed as always. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff, we're going to wrap up our number one next right here on the sports station, WNSP, and online at WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hey, this is Stuart Fink from the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSB Sports Radio in Mobile. Wrapping up hour number one here on a busy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us. All right, let's talk to David Green now from the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. And, Mark, I did not realize this, but, uh, David, you want to tell Mark where you're going to be uh, or, let's say, a member of your staff a little later on? It's just, I guess, coincidental we had Lawrence Yelding on from B.C. Rain. Yes, matter of fact, we'll be out there this afternoon around 3.15 giving the player of the week away. And so we're the award away. That's a... Uh, a big accomplishment for that team this past week. And uh, there's a special young player out there that had a great, great game against UMS Wright. And so we're excited to be to be out there around 3.15 this afternoon. Green and Phillips, a personal injury law firm. Our listeners know that. And we also know, and I've talked to you many times, that you handle a large number of cases. So how does someone actually know if they need a personal injury lawyer? Well, Lee, that's uh, that's sort of personal for someone. They have to really decide. I mean, gosh, a lot of times folks are injured and they're really not sure what to do. Uh, they want someone to talk to. They they think maybe they have a case or maybe uh, you know the injury is such that they really may have future problems. And so they they really need to. Any time that you're injured, um, basically in any way, if you're if it's through no fault of your own. Um, you really need to talk to a local personal injury law firm like the lawyers at Green and Phillips. There are a lot of great law firms here in Mobile, uh, but you want to talk to a local firm. I think it's very, very important. Uh, there are a lot of folks out here that, that advertise that are not from here, and so I think it makes a difference, and that's very personal. You can make your own decision. Uh, you may talk to whoever you want to talk to, but I think a local law firm uh, that, you, that you can sit down with, uh, sit down with a lawyer, at Green and Phillips, you know, it's very easy to get in, very easy to talk to someone and just figure out whether or not you have a case and sort of what your next steps may be. But that's very much very, a very personal decision, and it's something that you shouldn't take lightly. But if you're injured in any way, through no fault of your own, you may want to talk to a local law firm like the lawyers at Green and Phillips. You know, Dave, I also wonder, do you think a lot of people just don't go that route because they're concerned about expenses? You know, I think they, they probably are. Uh, you know, if you had to walk in and hire a lawyer for whatever type of matter, say it's a divorce case or some type of criminal case or some type of, 
you know, anything else, you have to pay them up front. The difference with a personal injury law firm is you pay them nothing up front, and you only pay if they collect money for you. And so that's a pretty good deal. I didn't really understand how that worked. Uh, as a child of a paper mill worker, I didn't understand. I went, we weren't around lawyers. And so as I started working in the field, I, I learned very quickly that, you know, anyone who's injured can afford a personal injury lawyer because the only way that you pay them is after they've received money for you in your case. Pretty good deal, and you get some really, really good help out there. They're great lawyers that do this, uh, not just the lawyers at Green and Phillips, but really, really good ones around that really understand it. It can make a huge difference for you. I've never asked you this on the air. You know I binge on lawyer shows, especially back in the <laughs> early 2000 and so forth. And they all seem to have these uh, really good investigators. Do you hire investigators for you? Well, we have we have perma- we have full-time investigators that work for us. Uh, we have a, a couple of guys, actually one that is a retired state trooper uh, that is able to to go out and investigate scenes that you know did it for many many years for the state of Alabama, and so we have a, a guy that's been with us for gosh I think he's been here six or seven years, and uh, before that though he was in charge of the troopers here in, in the Mobile area, but uh, just having someone that knows the lay of the land that knows the other troopers that really understands the process and he's done it you know hundreds and hundreds of times as far as investigating accidents and crashes. That can really be helpful. And there are other firms here in town as well that have uh, full-time investigators. But uh, Green and Phillips has had you know, a couple of guys for, for a number of years. It really makes a big difference in putting a case together quickly and getting you answers that you need and deserve if you've been involved in a crash. David, we always uh, enjoy having you on, man. Tell folks what's the easiest way to get in touch with you for more information. It's very simple. You can go to greenphillips.com. Uh, here in Mobile, you can go to 51 North Florida Street. You never need an appointment. Just show up. We'll be glad to greet you and chat with you about your case. Or the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham. Show up and wake them up up there. Make them make them get busy. <laughs> I like to pick on my people in Birmingham. They're great people, but uh, stop in and see them. Absolutely. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Take care. God bless. Did we get a winner on the Chick-fil-A? Elvis. Elvis, he's, he's I saw Elvis the other day. Did, he's good. Congrats, Elvis. He's good. Uh, Reggie Jackson was the answer. 77, 1977, five homers, three straight games, and he had the three home run in game six. All right, so Elvis gets the Chick-fil-A. We will have another round of naming it today. Uh, we will do that. I think we're going to do that in hour number three. Uh, so be listening for details on that and get qualified for the Alec Naiman catering party. And again, uh, we do our shows uh, pretty much weekly at a Baumhauer's. We were at Wing Fingers yesterday. He is giving away two tickets for the Alabama-Tennessee football game this Saturday. The registration box is there. Go out, put your name in there. They will uh, pick the winner Wednesday. We'll announce it Thursday morning. But again, when you register, you'll still be eligible for any home game. I think they have what LSU and Chattanooga left. Okay. I was reading about how uh, there was a – was this a – yeah, this was this week. Did you see – I know you're a betting guy there, Bronner. Did you see where this 10-team NFL parlay won like 200 k after the Cowboys covered last night? I don't like to look at those things. It just makes you mad or – Yeah, it, I can it's – all, it's all propaganda from big fan duel, you know. <laughs> you, can, you can win these 10-team parlays. You can't.
Anyway, we got Elvis on the phone. Oh, Elvis wants to 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 grace his Elvis, what's shaking, Bacon? What's going on, man? You know, I couldn't believe at first that nobody could could come up with Reggie Jackson. Then I remembered it happened a really long time ago, and I'm really old. So then I, you know, I remembered it. But hey, I want to. I got a shot to take at uh, Justin Herbert. Okay. Like, what was the point? What was the point of the Chargers giving the guy a quarter of a billion dollars? It's because when there's 90 seconds left and we need a touchdown, you need to go and win the game. This is like three times this year. He's been in that position, and he has failed. I can't decide. Now, look, I should have prefaced all this by saying that I really like Justin Herbert. He checks all the boxes. He's big and tall, big arm, you know, accurate ball, quick release, all that. But at the end of the day, man, you got to win. And I, I I think what's killing him is, he plays for the Chargers, and they are the most snake-bitten franchise in the NFL. Well, I'll wow. say this. He's got a lot, a lot of talent around him. He's got a really good running back. He's got uh, Keenan Allen among his receivers. So I haven't seen enough of the Chargers, but I would wonder, do you blame the coaching, the play calling? And I'm just throwing that out. I'm not doing it. I just don't know. I don't have well, an Kellen, answer. Kellen Moore likes to throw it around, and right? So there's been this big debate about tr- they want to r- run it a little bit more and kind of control the clock. And I, I think they even talked about this on the broadcast and want to give the defense a break. He likes to throw it around, so he's making more of a conscious effort uh, to to run the ball. Man, <clears throat> they didn't either run you very like your well OCs, yesterday. You like your guy. You like your OCs. Uh, strategy or you don't. I, I hate when head coaches try to uh, try to mold and make their OCs call a game a certain way. Either either you let your OC do his job, or you go find yourself a new OC. Normally they run the ball a lot better than they did yesterday. They did not amass a lot of yardage on the ground against. Well, the Cowboys do have a very good defense when they're not facing the 49ers. I mean uh, Elvis's point, uh, Herbert. Uh, I think he was like two. Two, two, 227 or something, something like, that, like that and two touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, they didn't finish. Are they the most snake-bit franchise in the NFL, Michael? Mm, close. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Staley. I think you had to pay Herbert. I mean, what's the alternative? Are you going to let him get away with calling him Herbert instead of I always, You know, it's funny. I always <laughs> have to like hesitate a, when yes, I go right. to say his name. And there's like a two-second hesitation <laughs> while I process the name. Um <clears throat> No, I, I'm not going to be a uh, man wants to pronounce his name wrong. A man can pronounce his name wrong. I ain't mad at him. Um, There's an R. <laughs> I don't – I'm trying to think of a more – there's got to be more snake bit teams in the league for sure. Yeah, when you use the term snake bit, are you talking about a team that constantly loses until like this year, the Detroit Lions? Do you look at a, uh, a franchise that just can't get out of its own way because of poor management, the Washington Commanders or – uh, back then, the Redskins. I mean, there's all kinds of ways of looking at it. I guess when I, I would use the term snake bit is injuries, where year in and year out, you lose personnel, and you're on the cusp of getting to the postseason, but for one reason or not, you don't. That'd be an interesting question to ask Philip Rivers. He was mentioned on the old broadcast last night. In, in what respect? Uh, I think they were just talking about um, uh, Keenan Allen. You know, I switched uh, from the Buck Aikman broadcast. I went over to ESPN2 to see if I was catching the Manning cast, and I got the uh, Spanish version of the game instead. Oh. Lucky you.
pick up any new lingo? I took three years of Spanish and could give you one word in Spanish. Oh, you can give us one word. No, I can't. Hola. Oh. <laughs> well, you did better than I did, so. Do you know how to say goodbye in Absolutely Spanish? not. Adios. Adios. Do you know how to say no in Spanish? No. Boom. There's your one word. Travis Ryer, Alabama, is next right here on the sports station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are, 7.03. Thanks for hanging with us on the Tuesday edition. It's always a good time. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee Bronner, right here in the studios. All right, the headlines, Dak Prescott ran for a touchdown pass for another to lead the Cowboys past the Chargers 20-17, to run their record to 4-2. and uh, There is a college football game tonight right here in Mobile at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. The Jags taking on Southern Miss at 6.30 on ESPN2. And in baseball, the Phillies take a one-game-to-none lead on Arizona with game two tonight. They won 5-3. And the Texas Rangers hold a two-games-to-none lead on Houston, the defending World Series champs, with the series going back to Texas. That being said, on three, here he is, Travis Ryer, Bam Online. Good morning, Travis. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Before we get to the particulars of the game your gut feeling on the Alabama Tennessee series continuing on the third week in October. Uh, I I know there's been nothing out, but I'm talking about after 2024. Yeah, it's still, I guess, very much up in the air at best. And I guess Nick made a comment last week on his coaches show about the potential for the uh, seven, one model uh, or, or something more along those lines with a one permanent opponent, which uh, you know, that would certainly put the, the continuation on a yearly basis anyway of the series, you would think, in serious jeopardy. So, like everyone else, I mean, I want to see games like Alabama-Tennessee, Alabama-Auburn, um, those kind of games played. But with Texas and Oklahoma coming in and, um, you know, the, the want to kind of spread the wealth in terms of matchups around the league, I, I like that idea too. Uh, but I, I, I'm fearing that it's going to come with a – you know some of these some of these rivalries being uh, kind of sacrificed, I guess. Last year's high-scoring game. Do you suspect a game like that Saturday, or are we looking at more like a game in the the twenties? No, I don't see. I don't see fifty-two needed to win this game on Saturday. Different teams, different offenses, for sure. Different quarterbacks, first and foremost. Hendon Hooker for Tennessee, no longer around. Bryce Young, no longer around. Those guys combined to throw for, what, over 800 yards in the game last year. I don't think we're going to see that with Joe Milton and Jalen Milrow. Uh, so I, I am. I'm expecting a game more along the lines of if you can get into the mid-20s, you're probably going to feel pretty good about your chances to win Saturday. If you could describe the current Alabama team in one word, uh, what would it be? I think Alabama fans would say maddening. 
um, because there's been stretches of really good football and, and complimentary football at that where you've got uh, the offense and the defense and the kicking game sort of working together in unison and uh, doing some good things. And then you have stretches like you had against Arkansas where you know, later into the third quarter, you're feeling like you're in good shape. It's a 24-6 to game. And next thing you know, it's 24-21 and, and you're fighting for your life late against a veteran quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. So uh, I don't think that this team at this point in the season – has kind of rounded into this form that a lot of us anticipated. You know, kind of felt like going into the season, Texas would be the toughest opponent for Alabama in 2023 because of where it was on the schedule, you know, week two. But you figured if Alabama got through that game, win or lose, uh, by the time it got to mid-October, you would see a true identity for this team in every area, and or at least a truer, and – you know, a team that, that other teams, uh, opponents would look at in the second half of the season and say, man, we caught this team at the at the worst time. And, and they're still capable of winning out. It's not that, you know, that can't happen. Uh, it's just that it, it feels like each and every week is going to be a bit of a roller coaster. I feel, like, I feel like the team is better as a whole today than they were, you know, three, four, five weeks ago or whatever. But to your point, I, I think it's just – it's different for Alabama fans to, to, to be dealing with some of the same issues that continue to plague this team. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's not the stress-free weeks that I think Alabama fans have kind of grown accustomed to. And, and that's not new to this season. You know, they were, they were dealing with some of this last year. Yeah. So um, even the year before. So uh, it's kind of become more of a, a week-to-week team, whereas – you know, 2020 and, uh, you know, before you could kind of look at it at this point and say, okay, well, this team's going to Atlanta in mid-October and then uh, we'll be in the college football playoff almost certainly. So uh, there are no guarantees to your point, I think, with this team. I mean, uh, I could see it winning out from here to Atlanta. Um, You know, I think it's possible that it could lose another game or two between now uh, and the end of the Auburn game. Travis Ryer joining us from um, online uh, on three. Travis, why do you think Jalen Milrose not running more like he did early in the season? Yeah, you know, he, he didn't really run a ton even earlier in the season. He, he scrambled a good bit, and he got sacked a lot. And those go on your rushing totals in college football, as we know. But as far as design quarterback runs, that's never become a big thing. Uh, not as much as I thought and a lot of people thought it would be. And not because I think that Jalen's an especially strong runner. I, I don't, you know, I've, I've heard the comparisons to Michael Vick and, and some of those guys. I think he has very good straight line speed. Um, he's not a wiggle guy. He's not a make you miss guy. So I think you have to be kind of direct with your runs with him, you know, kind of, uh, you know, running him more downhill than you are east-west, those type of things. But, yeah, I think a, a lot of people thought that, that he would be more involved um, in the run game. I, I know there's been rumblings about an injury and these things, but, uh, you know, we haven't really seen it from him on the field if he's injured in some sort of way. There, there's not a noticeable limp. There's not, you know, it doesn't look like he's carrying anything. Uh, on a play-to-play basis. So, um, you know, I think it's just it's one of the mysteries of the season. And, 
again, I understand, you know, you're probably not going to run him 15 to 20 times a game, but uh, definitely thought he would be more involved in the run game than he has been. So uh, Nick Saban was asked about J.C. Latham and why he wasn't moved to left tackle. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he, he gave the argument that you'd be, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, essentially. But wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't that always kind of be the case when you take your <clears throat> what you perceive as your best guy off of an original position and move him to left tackle? Like, do you, I guess what I'm saying is, do you, do you buy that explanation, or is there something else there? I think in today's football I buy it. You know, because you see offenses try to go with five-man protections and go empty. So it's not like you're helping your other tackle that's opposite your your top guy. So, and teams will game plan. You know, if if you move JC to left tackle and you got the current two tackles on the right side, you know they're still going to figure out a way to get their best edge guy probably against the other guy. So you know, it is sort of that Rob Peter to pay Paul. Scenario, I think as much as anything, kind of like what we talked about earlier with this team in general, I think by this point, Nick thought that one of these two guys will have taken the job six, seven games into the season. And it just hasn't happened for Caden Proctor and Elijah Pritchett. And, you know, I'll say this too, they they don't always help those guys. I mean, they're, they're trying to run the offense they want to run. And in that offense, and and when they protect, you're, you're seeing it show up in the form of explosive plays because they're able to get more guys out into the route and influence secondaries because of that, get guys open. And because of that, you saw it with Kobe Prentice's touchdown last Saturday against Arkansas. You know, they got three or four guys out into the route, got a safety to bite down on a tight end, sitting down, and Kobe's able to just keep running right up the seam and that goes for a big play. So you start protecting with seven or eight all the time. You're not going to have that ability um, with your receivers. So it's a tough spot to be in. And, um, you know, I think Caden Proctor in time is going to be fine, but it, it just has been a lot for him as a true freshman. Uh, and the thing about the SEC, it, it doesn't get any easier week to week. I mean, Lana Jackson's a nice player for Arkansas. But a couple of guys coming up, James Pierce of Tennessee and Harold Perkins of LSU, are going to take it to an even higher level. So uh, you don't get a break. That um, they they've got to you know come up with the best plan that they can to you know get those guys uh, to a point where they can have some semblance of consistent success. But again, once you're this deep in, uh, there aren't just magical answers to that situation. On the post-game show, Nick Saban was asked about the place kicker, Will Reichert, who's now the SEC's leading scorer, and about his return to Alabama. And Nick said that one of the reasons he came back was to improve his kickoffs, to make them, let's say, uh, more valuable to an NFL team. But he also brought up the fact that NIL money uh, had something to do with it. I'm kind of curious, do you do you think, I don't know if you know this for a fact, but do you think that everybody on the Alabama football program, scholarship players get get NIL money? I would think there's certainly every effort to get not just even the scholarship guys, but the non-scholarship guys something, you know, and not just because of the financial benefit, which would obviously be important, but you're trying to maintain a dynamic within your program from a team perspective um, where at least everybody can feel like they're getting something, you know, and that 
that helps you in your locker room and within your program from a, a team morale, team dynamic standpoint. So I have no doubt that's the that's the effort. I think whatever Will's getting, he deserves that and probably twice as much because you know, he's gone a calendar year now without missing a field goal. And um, that was – you talk about the two kickers in that game last Saturday, Cam Little – for Arkansas, whatever Will's getting, Cam Little probably should be getting too because yeah. uh, he's tremendous. He had the 55-yarder last Saturday. He's had like five makes of 50 yards in his last 10 or 11 attempts. So, um, but Will is, you know, especially a week like this, and I know for him, uh, it's it's going to have a, a little more feeling to it because he had to miss late at Tennessee last year uh, in that close game. So uh, he hasn't missed since that kick and. Uh, this is the kind of game, not just with Will Reichard, but James Burnett, too, doing what he's doing as a punter. Um, special teams coverage and return units have been pretty good. Kool-Aid's had a couple of struggles back deep. But, you know, this is a game where specialists like Reichard and Burnett could prove to be really, really big. Before we let you go, I'm curious, uh, where do you rank a gnat on a cow's ass among the Sabinisms over the years? Like Ty Webb, I rank them by height. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. You know, that was up there with, uh, uh, gosh, uh, the Georgia Southern game back in 2011 yeah. when Georgia Southern <laughs> yeah. ran for uh, uh, ran for for 300 plus yards in Tuscaloosa. So, yeah, that was he kind of botched it a little bit. You know, it was a little bit clumsy, but he was he was kind of amped up. So you you don't take away too much for that but it was up there for sure although when he the initial run through was nat on a on a fly's ass which which is from a visual standpoint kind of fascinating actually yeah i guess if you're a microbiologist or something <laughs> you know but uh yeah nick was he i think he had that one it seemed like he had that one chambered yeah but it just you know a little bit of a misfire there uh tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of the tide as they prepare for rocky top sir just go to BamaOnline.com. you can catch us there uh, we've got the round table or premium message board where you will want to hang out no doubt we also have our new youtube channel for BamaOnline.com. tons of video content showing up there on a daily basis uh bama online on youtube in addition to BamaOnline.com. Travis, great catching up, sir. Have a good week. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. Scoreboard, traffic, and weather are next. Uh, <clears throat> Jerry Palm set for 7.30. Daniel McCarthy on tonight's South Alabama game. <coughs> and we'll talk some Auburn with Justin Ferguson at 8.30. Also got to get you qualified for naming it. Got plenty left. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCrary, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com, joins us here on WNSP. And uh, as always, man, you got inventory coming through the lot, sir. 
We do. We bought quite a few trucks um, since I talked to you last time and a couple of cars, and we'll be looking today to buy some more stuff. But uh, we got a 16 Dodge Ram that's um, lowered to the ground. It's got um, wheels, tires, big stereo in it, exhaust, um, really good-looking truck. Pictures are online. Uh, we bought some uh, Ford F-150s. We got a couple of Silverados that have come in. So there's there's plenty of stuff there for anybody that's looking, and the price points are great. We got some trucks that are really unreasonable right now, price wise. Yeah, it sounds like they won't be around for long. How can people come to see you? What time is the best time to come see you? Uh, we're there nine to six or eight to six. Excuse me, Monday through Friday, nine to two on Saturday. Um, and there's like I said, everything's online. If they want to get a, get a good peek of it online, they can check it out and call us if they want another picture of it. We can look at it then as well. Take a picture and send it to them. All right. Uh, speaking of Saturday, your folks will certainly be there. Uh, you may not be though, huh? You got kind of a big event going on over there on the Eastern Shore. We do. Uh, my son's in the band at Daphne High School, and they're having um, the Eastern Shore Classic this weekend. And if anybody likes football. Everybody likes the bands as well, and there's going to be over 17 bands from this region playing Saturday. The gates will open at 10, and they don't start playing until 1, so it'll go on through 5, 6 o'clock Saturday night. I mean, it's an all-day affair. Food, it'll be a great deal. So come on by LCM Motorcars, buy yourself a truck, and drive on over to the Eastern Shore. That's right, the Daphne High School. It'll be Saturday at their um their home field. Hey, man, uh, it sounds like it's going to be a busy weekend for you. We appreciate you coming aboard. We look forward to talking to you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Yep. It's Dave McCrary, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. Check out all the inventory on their website before you even go out there. And, of course, uh, they're always willing to uh, find you what you're looking for if they don't have it on the site. We'll be out at Daphne before them. We'll be out there yeah. Friday morning from 6 to 9. So if the bands want to come out and practice... Well, I hope the Daphne band is out there. I have no doubt they will be. They they they're always they're always great to us out there. And uh, we have uh, what are we nine and three nine and three still. Yeah. And Daphne's got to host Mary G Montgomery. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Putting our putting our good luck charm to the test here. You know, a- not only do we go out there to, as everybody knows, we we'll talk to the you know Kenny King. We'll talk to some assistants, but uh, we'll also be following up on the Saints game on Thursday night. Yeah, we're in that stretch, that window that was highly publicized. Like, there's a, literally a football game every day for, like, 40-something straight days. We're kind of right in the middle of that. So you get the Jags tonight. Got a couple of college games tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, of course. Yeah. The only uh, day they don't play now is on Sunday and Monday, but the NFL takes over yeah. on Sunday and Monday. No, I'm kind of pumped about the Jags. Uh, again, I, I'm good with football on every night except Friday. That's high school. I think we should designate that as your high school day. I don't want to see college games. I don't want to see uh, NFL games. The only time it's okay to play on Friday is around the holidays and high schools aren't playing. That that Friday after Thanksgiving, perfect. Let's do it. And usually the games on Friday aren't that compelling. No. You're not getting ranked teams. Unless you're Colorado. <laughs> well, they're not ranked. They're, but, but they're compelling. They're compelling to watch, and especially when they – they are they're kind of a bipolar team. You just don't know. I mean, get off to a 29-point lead. I actually uh went back and listened to the Saturday Night Live spoof on Dion. Yeah. It was very it was well funny. Done. It went a little long, but it I, did, I but thought it, it was but good. it was very well done. Because you see, here's the thing now. I was rooting for I was, initially I was rooting for Dion. Now I'm kind of cheering against Colorado. Oh, I'm not. I want them to get to a bowl game. 
I don't know. I just feel like if they might, I feel. Like I want to see them. If they would have handled the success differently, I won't say better. I'll just say differently. <laughs> then maybe I would have been more on board. I felt like they had a huge chip on their shoulder. Guys were talking like before the Oregon game. And they called me a madman. And um, I just uh, I was ready for that chip to kind of be knocked off. I want to see him pull off a big upset in the. Uh, Pac-12. I, I have to look at the schedule to see. I don't know if that's possible, but I'd love to see them. They started with a win over TCU, at the time considered really good, although TCU is not quite nearly as good as they were last year. But I'd really like to see them maybe come away with a win against a good Pac-12 team. And they got UCLA at the end of the month. I don't know. I mean, they're well, ranked. That would, that would constitute a big win for them. Yeah. There's not much left on the Oh, they got Oregon State still. I mean, they're top 15. That's in November. And Utah at the end of the year. They have the opportunities. All right, we're going to step aside. We come back. Uh, Jerry Palm joins us next to talk some college football. sack so far this year that is concerning and is that fixable at this time of the year well um to the first part of your question i would say hell yeah <laughs> uh 732 nick saban being nick saban there yesterday during the press conference when asked about sacks which is interesting because you know there was a time in his career lee where you didn't bring up sacks remember he kind of talked about sacks kind of being or not having sacks was kind of overrated, and it was more about uh, well, affecting the quarterback. In his post game on uh, Saturday, he said, you guys can ask me anything you want now. I may not answer it, but you can ask anything you want. Yeah. So a different uh, uh, Nick Saban, but not a, a different Jerry Palm. He's the same. He's full of uh, football knowledge. Jerry Palm with CBS Sports. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Good. I want to throw this first. The Pac-12. Which Pac-12 team suffered, and I have to caution the word I'm going to use, let's say the most devastating loss for the for their future this year? Was it Southern Cal because they lost to a non-conference team or Oregon, which got beat by a conference team? Uh, I'm going to say USC because they've got – problems that they can't seem to fix. Um, Oregon-Washington, that's just a really good game. Uh, it's just one of those things. Um, obviously, you don't want to lose conference games, but, I, I mean, USC's defense is a problem. And, you know, it's it's going to be – it's been a problem for a couple of years. You know, it's just – it's not something they seem capable of fixing. And it puts a lot of pressure on that offense to do well. And Notre Dame is not uh, – they're a good defense. You know, don't get me wrong, but that's not the last good defense they're going to see. In fact, they got Utah this week, another pretty good defense. So, you know, teams that can make their offense uncomfortable <clears throat> make USC a lot easier to beat. So I think USC is, is more exposed and more in danger of more losses than Oregon is. The reason I asked it that way – because let's say, and I'm sure it's not going to happen, but let's say Southern Cal ran the table and got into the yep. Pac-12 championship game. 
but Oregon would not. That's the reason I asked it from that yeah. viewpoint, that standpoint, that USC uh, could make the championship game and open up maybe getting into the college football playoff if they ran the table, whereas Oregon, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, you know, that Oregon does not control their own fate in the in the conference race at this point. Um, I'm just much more concerned about USC. Uh, I, I don't expect USC to get there, but you're right. The, the possibility still exists. Caleb Williams, maybe his worst game. Uh, we're, we're, in your mind, as you look down the road to a Heisman Trophy winner, do you have others ahead of him now? Uh, Michael Penix. And I've kind of been on that bandwagon for a few weeks. Michael Penix, Jr., the Washington quarterback. <clears throat> He's had a terrific season. Uh, and Caleb Williams has, too. And, you know, he may end up being the better pro. Uh, but uh, Michael Penix, Jr. Um, has led his team uh, to a place where he deserves that kind of consideration, at least, you know, right now. Um, but, you know, he Caleb Williams could come back. Um you know, that's the thing about these guys is they're all dependent on their teammates at some level. And Caleb Williams has got teammates that are definitely letting him down. But you, you have to give Notre Dame's defense a lot of credit for their game plan against USC. They made him really uncomfortable. He forced some things he probably should not have done. Um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, I mean, it's a credit to Notre Dame's game plan. And now, you know, other teams have kind of seen that, that you know, and try and duplicate it. Uh, if you've got the players who can do it, maybe Utah does, because that's one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. He's Jerry Palm. He joins us here on WNSP. So I'm looking at your latest bowl projections, and as much as we've talked about how great the Pac-12 has been and it's been one of the better years all, all season long, I'm looking at your Final Four, and you know what's missing from that? Uh, Pac-12 yeah, team. Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, part of the problem there is I kind of expect them to beat each other up a little bit because yeah. I think the top is just really competitive. Um, and in some of these other leagues, like the Big Ten has got three teams. Um, and, you know, only one of them can win the division. And the worst thing that could happen to the Big Ten would be, you know, nobody is undefeated going into the conference championship game um, among those three teams. Penn State, Ohio State play each other this week in Michigan. It still has games left with the other two. Uh, like a three-way, you know, round-robin split would be the worst thing for the Big Ten in terms of making the college football playoff. But, um, you know, the the uh, Pac-12 is just – they've got six, seven, eight. We just saw Arizona this week beat Washington State up there, like 75 million to nothing. Oh, wait a minute. Washington State did score. But, you know, that, that just shows you the depth of quality teams in that league. And I think it's just going to be hard to get through that conference unscathed. Talking with Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. So, Ohio State, Penn State. Who do you like? Ohio State. Um, the Ohio State is at home. That's part of it. They've just got more talent. Penn State's very talented. Penn State's defense is going to really have to rise to the occasion uh, in this game. Um, they have a, a young quarterback, Penn State does, uh, going into a pretty hostile environment uh, for the first time, really, uh, as a starter. Um, their, their skill position guys are talented, uh, but this is going to be a different sort of experience for them. They've played in front of big crowds. They've just all been at home. So now, now they've got to go on the road in a pretty hostile environment. I just like Ohio State's experience in this situation. 
and uh, and their offensive talent is is just insane. So um, Penn State's defense, if they can really rise to the occasion, they've got a shot. Uh, but I like the Buckeyes. I wonder in the scheduling, how does a game against Massachusetts, in which what Penn State won about seventy nothing, help them prepare for Ohio yeah. State? It doesn't uh, at all. I mean, how does that? Well, it doesn't help you do unless you want to just try a few things out and see how they see how they look. Um, and you don't want to try them out against somebody who could hurt you with it. <laughs> but uh, no, that those those games. The only thing those games do for you is give you a chance to get other players on the field and and see what they can do and give them some experience. Otherwise, that game is useless. Yeah, and and usually when you play games like that, it's the first or second game, or in the case of the SEC, uh, the next to last game before your rivalry. But right. rarely do I see teams like that play in the middle of a conference season. Yeah, well, with the Big Ten, it, ever since they went to a really even eleven when Penn State first joined the league, it's kind of been that way. You know, the the, the schedule is such that teams have uh, an opportunity to throw a non-conference game in the middle of the season, um, and uh, it, that's just kind of how it works. It, it, I, it's not been as unusual as it's been in the past, especially as these leagues get bigger. Um, but and the scheduling just gets weird. All right, so but yeah, it's 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 tip, it's not a typical thing, that's for sure. Right now, and I have asked you this before, the most complete team in college football is Michigan. Michigan looks to be the best, and and playing best on both sides of the ball, and pretty much every week, consistently good. They haven't been threatened. Um, I'm still I still don't think anybody has taken a snap inside their ten yard line defensively this year so it's been a it's been a really solid performance uh, just high quality offense defense special teams they're doing it all well uh for those wondering uh jerry's got michigan playing florida state in a 2-3 game right now at, at the rose bowl you got georgia and texas in the sugar uh you know what's compelling is some of these new year's six new year's six bowl games you got going alabama penn state oregon oklahoma man i'm, I'm there for both of those yeah, well, Alabama fans are are not there for the Peach Bowl apparently no. because I've been hearing from them this week. <laughs> I've, had that, I've had that projection now for a few weeks ever since really they lost to Texas. I've had Alabama in the Peach Bowl. In fact, Alabama, Penn State, that's been pretty steady. Well, my other games have flipped around a little bit, but that one's been really steady. Um, but apparently this week they just, uh, Alabama fans discovered it because I've been I've been getting a lot of crap about having Alabama in <laughs> the Peach Bowl. What are they uh, saying? Yeah, we're going to the we're we're going to the playoff. We're winning the championship, which you know you should have faith in your team. So that's that's perfectly they're, fine. They're fascinating. Um, they're fascinating. But they're not nasty about it. They're right. Not nasty. Alabama fans have not been nasty about it. Well, I mean, the pre-snap they get called for a pre-snap penalty they get nasty but my but they, they are fascinating right this Alabama team because for all the the miscues and the pre-snap penalties and all the you know talk about Jalen Milrow and the offensive line and the sacks and all that they still continue to find ways to win it hasn't been pretty at times yeah. but they just keep right. winning yeah except for Texas except yeah, for Texas you're right I mean they are managing to win the games and they've got a lot to clean up uh, still this deep into the season when you get this deep into the season you've got the same problems that you had at the beginning of the season you know stuff like the especially the penalty count yeah. you're probably not going to get that fixed because if you could have fixed it you would have already fixed it so i, I think there's just some bad habits there um that have, have been difficult to go away and, and the more ingrained they get the harder it is to turn that around so which fan base is the nastiest nastiest 
Yeah, you mentioned that Alabama really fans. Any, but I haven't had anybody particularly nasty this year. Um, I've had some in the past, but and I don't really want to get into it. But it's uh, no, no. I, I mean, every, people disagree all the time. Um, the nastiness stuff is, especially like prolonged nastiness, is relatively rare. <clears throat> Alabama, Tennessee. Who do you like? Bama. Um, they're at home this year, so that's part of it. And ten- Tennessee has been good, not great, same as Alabama. In fact, really, same as most of this league. Um, you know, teams have been um, just like the SEC has not been up to its usual standard this year, and it showed in non-conference play. <clears throat> Instead, of Alabama and Tennessee are part of that. But um, but I still like Alabama, especially playing at home. I wanted to ask you, uh, I mentioned about the Heisman and all that kind of stuff. And I, I agree with you about Michael Penix, but I also want to I actually have a, a thought or two about Jaden Daniels cause, because I think I think more is placed on him to carry that team than more is placed on Penix to carry Washington, meaning Washington's a more talented team than LSU. I agree. Yeah, that's not really what the Heisman's about. Um, I mean, if that's what the Heisman was about, Drew Brees would have won it in 2000, but he didn't because his team wasn't good enough. You know, Chris Tinky Winky won it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and and he was a fine quarterback in college, but, you know, that he, the, the, it's a team award as much as anything. If your team is not good enough and LSU's team is not good enough, uh, especially in this particular season, uh, for their quarterback to be seriously considered the Heisman candidate, that doesn't mean he couldn't possibly be argued as the best quarterback in college football. You could probably make an argument for that, which in fact you're trying to do. Um, but that's not what the Heisman is really about. Before we let you go, Dan Lanning, uh, where are your thoughts? As much as everybody, including us, have been talking about their inability to convert on fourth down, they had the ball with a chance to win at the end. Yeah, it's you know I I don't mind. I don't mind guys going for it, and it's not an un, you know if you if it's fourth and six and, and you know not desperation time in the game and you're going for it that's kind of silly but you know they had makeable fourth down situations and Washington made plays and you know that's I, that kind of a thing doesn't bother me um, you have faith in your guys to to get a yard or maybe two if you have to and and you know so he went for it. Um, it didn't work out. If it does work out, you know, everybody's talking about how courageous he is. Well, the courage is the same either way. Hey, always good to catch up, Jerry. Have a great week. We'll be in touch. All right. Thanks. That's, uh, that's Jerry Palm here on WNSP. Uh, coming up here in just a little bit, uh, I know we're, we're going to do naming it in hour number two. Um, and uh, Daniel McCarthy will join us to talk some Jags t- for tonight's game. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. Yes, and I also want to uh, talk about Dr. Christopher Monix. Thank you very much. Uh, he's located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard, and you don't need a referral. Now, when I was sent out there, I was referred to my dentist, John. He, he sent me to Dr. Monix, but lately, you do not need a referral. Recommendation, take mine. I know what I'm talking about. Very professional and very personable staff. And I check all the boxes, not a lot of time waiting in the waiting room, very little paperwork. The x-rays, you're into that dental chair, and if you have a dental implant, took 30 minutes, best sleep I've had in a long time, 
Next day, no pain and very little discomfort. Mobile Orum Facial Surgery, I really appreciate them coming on as our title sponsor for our game day. And this week, we're going to be at Daphne. And a special thanks to Dr. Christopher Mullenix, along with Dr. Wallander, two of the best oral surgeons in this city. So if you need any kind of oral surgery, I suggest you uh, make an appointment. So we got a couple guys in the app talking about how they don't necessarily agree that the with the whole team Heisman thing. I think I think Jerry's point was if your team isn't winning, you're, you've got no shot at, of winning the individual award. Yeah, I, I I just replied back like it's not really up for debate whether you agree or not. I, you can disagree that it shouldn't be that way, but that's kind of just how it is. Yeah, I think so. we would all agree that. It should go to the best player regardless, but yeah. it, it turns into the best player. It's We've always said it's the best player on the best team, right? Like, I honestly think it should have gone to Max Duggan last year instead of Caleb Williams, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Caleb Williams is a significantly better player than Max Duggan is. So, Do either uh, of you remember back in the 50s? No. <laughs> what, what, what kind of question is that? When Paul Hornig won the Heisman and Notre Dame was either 2-7 and seven or 3-7. and seven. Yeah, and he won the Heisman. Do you realize when I you say nineteen? Like, I remember it like it was yesterday. Do you remember when when you say nineteen fifty? That was seventy three years ago. I realize that seventy three. Do years you ago. remember? The point was <laughs> that in the history of the Heisman, there's actually been a player or two that won it on a losing team. Yeah, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, I think I think the masses would riot. But could you imagine if a if a player on a losing team won that award, like in today's, I'd be day, fine with it. Oh, we would, we would. I, I think it, I think it'd be fantastic. It'd be fa- fascinating because I love storylines. But the Heisman Trust, I mean, they'd burn that place to the ground. <laughs> I'm trying to think who, right now on a losing team, who would be a candidate? All right, so who's the like who's the like best player on just a, like a, the worst team out there? I like, have to do some research. I mean, not that they're necessarily a losing team, quote unquote, but I think Lee makes a good point on Jaden Daniels. Like he's just putting up huge numbers yeah. every week. And he's carrying the team. Yeah, and uh you know, I I was feeling pretty good about the upcoming two games for Alabama coming off of A and M. Now all of a sudden after that Arkansas game, I don't know. I, Alabama I, I think they'll be fine this week. And then I keep it up with LSU. I don't know. You gotta hold them below thirty, I think. This team is not a team built for a shootout. No, but also that defense. When they decide to play, they took the second yeah, half off. It's like play. couldn't couldn't you see Jaden Daniels coming in and just just kind of shredding them a little bit. I, I I can see it. I'm nervous. I mean, we'll Al- Alabama fans were were ex- half expecting uh, Leonard Fournette to walk in uh, that game and, and and run wild on them for two consecutive years. Eh. And it never the happened. The only so. player that I could even think about, he's not going to win it. And and I'm being, you know, I can guarantee that. But I'm thinking about losing teams. And of course, since we're situated here in the South, the only one I can think of is KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. But he's not going to win it, and they have a losing record. Shadar Sanders got a couple of votes in there. You know, I'll say well, Lee, they they're still they still have a winning record. They're like four, but they, I understand they, they won't have a winning record at the end of the season. Uh, and, and I'll and I'll say Lee on KJ Jefferson, he has been bad since I've praised him on this show, like yeah. really bad. Yeah. Uh, so prop, props to props to you, props to you on that. I I praised him, and yeah. and you kind of naysayed it a little bit, and he's been bad. I don't understand that Arkansas team. They always come so close to winning, and they just can't get it done. 
All right, uh, we're going to wrap up hour number two next. Uh, we'll see if we can visit with Michael Holland, Daniel McCarthy at 8 o'clock. So on the Jags, they play tonight. How about a little Tuesday night football, boys and girls? I like it. Right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Seven fifty-four. Wrapping up hour number two here on a busy Tuesday edition. Our WNSP uh, Player of the Week, who was Jared Hollins of Mary G. Montgomery, it's sponsored by Brian Fank, member of the FDIC, equal housing lender. And to that, I bring in the market president with Brian Bank, our good friend Michael Holland, who certainly helps us a lot on Friday nights with our coverage. Michael, good morning. Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. An incredible year for Mary G. Montgomery. Uh, we'll be out at uh, Daphne. They host MGM. I, I can't ever recall a team that has come out of nowhere like this to go undefeated. But that being said, we want to talk about Brian Bank. Uh, how can individuals get a free copy of their credit report each year, and why reviewing your credit report is so important? Lee, that is a great question. You can get a free copy of your credit report by going to annualcreditreport.com, annualcreditreport.com. It's important to review that because creditors, employers, and other businesses use that report to make decisions about you. So what's included on the report? It's your name, address, phone number, also your date of birth and Social Security number. It's important that those uh, all those items are listed correctly on your credit report. Once you get the report, review it for accuracy. Make sure that the accounts that you are that are listed on there you actually do business with. For example, if there's a Home Depot uh, creditor listed there and you've never walked into Home Depot, you may be a potential fraud victim. So check uh, for accuracy on your report with folks you do business with. It's annualcreditreport.com. It's free, so go in and check that out. If you've got questions once you get your report about what this means, hey, come see us at Bryant Bank. We'll be glad to talk to you about it. You can visit us in Mobile, Daphne, Foley, and Orange Beach, and our number is 264-6575. You have a wonderful week, Michael, and again, thanks for your help on Friday nights and to Bryant Bank for the Player of the Week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. That sounds great, Lee. Have a good one. All right, we're reworking the whole dynamic on the Heisman here. So we're asking for the best player on a non-championship competing team. That's probably the best way to put it. You know, because as we talked about, the, the guys that are going to be in it are going to be the guys on a team vying for a spot in the college football playoff. Who who are some of the best players well, I think you not hit on championship caliber teams? I like the one you came up with. The quarterback at Colorado. Uh, I'm a, I can't. I can't take credit for it, but sure. What Lee. if they finish like five and seven or four and eight, Lee? Well, the point is, he's we. Okay, you're, you're bending this a lot. All we're I'm asking, just asking. No, I'm just saying we're we're asking for players on he mentioned non-championship type teams. Okay, we're not saying they're going to win it. He's just asking for players who are really really good, but their teams aren't very good. Sure is good. 
Uh, Drake May got a vote. That's a, that's a good one. I like Drake May. I'll, I'll tell you what. Drake May's on. They're undefeated. Yeah, wait. They are really good. That doesn't count. Uh, he's I don't in think the, he's in the running for the Heisman. That doesn't count. They won't continue to. I may, they could. I don't know. Drake May. By the way, talk talk to you about a guy I'm really high on NFL wise. He's like he could be the number one pick in the NFL draft. I think Caleb Williams would have to lose a limb to not be the number one pick in the NFL draft, but. I, I'm actually higher on Drake May, I think, Caleb Williams. I think there's a lot. But that's that misses the whole point. Drake May, they're undefeated. There is a really good chance he could win it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Penix is the leader, but May is certainly he, he's certainly there as well. Let's see. UNC's got Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell. <laughs> Campbell? Duke, um, Clemson, and NC State. So really— there's not a whole lot there. No, there's Campbell. not a whole lot. Isn't that, in New, isn't that in New Jersey, Lee? No. It's up there somewhere. Don't encourage it. No, it's and, – and the only reason I remember that is because when I went to Clemson to do a basketball you tournament, Campbell oh, was Campbell was in the uh, mix, and I had to leave before the JAG game, and we were playing Campbell that night. You know Campbell's nickname, Mark Lee? Camels. Camels, aren't they? Camels? They're the Camels. Camels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Palm's got North Carolina versus Ohio State in the Orange Bowl. Palm don't know nothing. Oh, that's ni- that is really nice. A guest comes <laughs> on, and then when he's off, you just blast him. That is really I professional. I guess, I guess it's better than blast him while he's on. Jeez. Peach Bowl. So if that gets back to him, why does he want to come on this show to listen to that kind of talk? Maybe we'll debate next time. Be uh, one of those nasty Alabama fans, you know, that he says don't exist. We exist. <laughs> <laughs> the president of the nasty Crimson Tide fan club, Michael Bronner. Peach Bowl is very much in play, by the way. Yeah. Daniel McCarthy's next. Uh, the Jags are at it tonight. How about that? We also got to get you qualified for the Alec Naiman catering party. Stay with us for hour number three of the opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are, 803, hour number three, a busy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Headlines, Dallas Cowboys uh, defeat the Chargers. People were wondering if they could rebound from that disastrous loss to the 49ers. They did so in baseball, the ALCS, Texas leading Houston two games to none. They won their second straight game in Houston. So now they'll take a two games to none lead back to Texas tomorrow. And game two, Philadelphia and Arizona. The Phillies won yesterday by a score of five to three. College football tonight, the Jags an 18 and a half point pick over Southern Miss. They've beaten Southern Miss three straight times. And tonight, that game at Hancock-Whitney Stadium to be televised on ESPN2. And to that, we bring in Deputy Athletic Director Daniel McCarthy. Daniel, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? 
Morning, fellas. I'd say pretty good. You know, it's an otherwise mundane Tuesday, but we're going to play a little football here on campus tonight. All right. so tell us about the excited about that. Tell us about the game day experience. And I might add, is anybody out there tailgating just yet to get their spot? You know, I'm looking out my window. Some folks have already claimed their spot. I don't see anybody cracking beers at 8 a.m. just yet. But <laughs> I would say that uh, tailgating should pick up here soon. No, campus is going to be alive today. I mean, we're excited to have a. A, a unique Tuesday night game uh, here on campus at Hancock Whitney Stadium. So, you know, campus is, um, I think, classes are, are dismissed around 3 o'clock. Non-essential university personnel are dismissed around 3 o'clock. So just opening up an opportunity for this to, to seem as normal as possible for a game day on an on a odd, uh, like I said, Tuesday night in October. Is it more difficult to stage a game on a, a day like Tuesday than on a Saturday? No, I don't think it's more difficult. I think it, it's definitely a, a unique dynamic in all regards, right? You've got the, the class aspect. Campus is functioning like normal today as it would on a Tuesday um, because fall break was last week, so our students are here. And then your, your team dynamic of, you know, the whole week has been off. It's been confusing to me. Like, it's it's Thursday, but it's really a Monday practice. It's Friday, but it's really a Tuesday practice. So the team has to adjust their calendar a little bit to, in preparation for a game like this. But Thankfully, we had that break, you know, 10, 11 days between the ULM game and today to, to adjust to that. But I, I wouldn't say it's logistically more more difficult. It, it, it's just a little it's, – it's different. And I hope that, you know, folks will treat it like a Saturday. I know everybody's got to work. Kids have school. But as soon as you can get out and start to, to get ready for tonight, we need you here. All right. So, Daniel, let's go back to something you said earlier about you didn't see anybody cracking a beer. Hypothetically, rhetorically, asking for a friend – if there was somebody on campus right about now cracking a beer, would that be any different than any other day of the week because there is a game tonight? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna plead the fifth there. I, I I don't know that I should should say whether or not people are normally drinking at eight a.m. on campus. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, you if, know, I mean, you, you can't you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, right? Right. And I was just wondering if if today maybe generally. <laughs> Uh, of uh, uh, law enforcement or any official capacity there at the university might crack down on something like that, but you get a pass today because there is a game. Maybe, maybe. Just we don't ask questions about what's in a red solo cup. Let's just leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, games on national TV, ESPN2. Tell us some of the things that are planned, either pregame or halftime. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be on a, on a national stage, right? I mean, it's, it's an opportunity to highlight um, campus, uh, obviously a program that, that I think we've seen at least twice this year can be as explosive and, and as dynamic as we really thought we could be at the beginning of the year. Oklahoma State and ULM are just two great examples of what this team's capable of. So to put that on a national stage tonight uh, in front of what's hopefully a, a sold-out Hancock Whitney Stadium is a great opportunity for us against a great regional, right-down-the-road opponent, conference opponent, divisional opponent. Everything about this is setting up great. You know, but uh, but but I, I, despite being on that national stage, I hope folks that are in the listening area find a way over here. I mean, this is going to be a game you don't want to miss in person. So great to play on national TV, but we hope people come out expecting a great crowd, expecting, like I said, a normal kind of game day. The USA Health, uh, our friends at USA Health are having a huge employee appreciation night uh, and tailgate before the game. So there's going to be a lot of, of those folks, plus our addition of Providence Hospital here recently brings – that many more people in, in, in that cohort over to the game. So we're excited about having them here. Our presenting sponsor tonight is Unity Fiber. Excited to have them as a partner. Uh, we've got tailgating and food trucks and, and all of that going on just like normal. One thing that will be different to the pregame, though, 
We normally do the Mardi Gras parade uh, and the Prowl, bringing the team in. That's going to be – the team will come directly to the locker room. We're actually doing a, a special uh, presentation and unveiling outside the stadium around 4.30 um, near the south ticket booth, near the video board. So if people are on campus and want to come over and participate in that, uh, I'll, I'll sort of tease it at that. It's just a spe- special presentation. So if you're around campus and want to see that, uh, 4.30 at the south ticket booth. But overall, just an exciting opportunity, like I said, to play on a national stage against a great opponent um, and, and a great environment. So we're, we're really, really looking forward to 630 tonight. Bring us up to date on the tickets uh, as far as how many, like, say, available and how can people go and get them now online or just what? Yeah, if you go to usajaguars.com uh, slash tickets, you can still purchase single-game tickets online now, which might be – Probably your best, you know, best thing to do just to be better safe than sorry. Sorry, because we, you know, we don't really ever know how to fully anticipate what that walk-up crowd may look like. So you certainly could come up uh, tonight and, and walk up to the ticket booth and, and, and make that purchase. But if those single-game tickets get swallowed up today through some online sales, you might put yourself in a tough spot. So 20 bucks gets you in the stadium tonight. Uh, there's not a bad seat in this house. For those that have been, you know this is a, a beautiful venue. Um, every seat in here is a, a great vantage point to watch a great football game. So uh, they are still available, but I would say get them fast. Because, um, and I would say get here early because when you start putting 23,000, 24,000 in the building and you try to all do it at the same time, especially on tonight, a night like tonight where folks are coming straight from work, um, if you can get here early, I would say do so. That way you get through the gates and don't miss kickoff. So let me ask you about this. After that resounding win over ULM, are you a little concerned about a nine-day layoff? You know, I don't think so. I think it gives you an opportunity to sort of reset. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unique, too, that it's right in the middle of the season. So we've played six. we got six to go. And so you get this nice little break, and, and you know, you can argue that it's a chance to get some folks healthy, which we, we've had some unfortunate season-ending injuries, but thankfully we've We've been, you know, kind of unscathed from a day-to-day standpoint, but those that have kind of had that nagging, you know, thing, I've heard folks say you're, you're only 100% the first day of fall training camp because every day after that it's some, some uh, ache or pain. So a chance to sort of get into that, uh, that, that reset mode. I, I don't think that it's um, necessarily a bad thing. Actually, I think it may work to our advantage because you did come off a really big win which is similar to what we did at Oklahoma State, and then you had that letdown week against Central Michigan. So maybe having a couple extra days just to sort of get your mind right, uh, take some time. The guys had last Saturday afternoon off. They practiced early, but they got a chance to watch some football, which is a rare thing for football student-athletes to get to do during football season, so they got to enjoy a Saturday. So I, I think we're in a good spot where this is a nice reset, and then you sort of reset again because we don't play – UL, uh, ULL, Louisiana, until the 28th. So you have another little 11-day break that you get to kind of go into. So I think it's a unique opportunity that maybe you don't normally get to hit a, a reset button right in the middle, right dead in the middle of the season. So, Daniel, help me out here because as most people that listen to our show know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm like Owen Wilson and Wedding Crashers. I'm an idea guy. So I've had, we've had Joel Erdman on. Richie Riley comes on a lot. Kane, I've been pitching to Richie and Joel for a while. We need to get the and, – and they're starting to do it around the country, and it's starting to make me mad because I, I felt like we had this idea first. We need to do some sort of football versus basketball uh, kind of exhibition on a hardwood floor in the middle of the stadium, or we just have the South team play a game there. And now I'm thinking maybe we just go over to the USS Alabama, right? I know we wouldn't be the first to play a basketball game on a, on a, on a, on a carrier like that, but – or on a battleship, but I think I think we could do something with that. I'm spitballing here. What do you think? 
Well, I mean, I'm, before I take a, a, a stab at this, what did Richie say to these ideas? Richie never says no on the air. I mean, what he says in private okay. might be different, but he's for everything. Well, I, you know, I think this uh, there's some merit here. I don't know. You know, there's a difference, I think, in playing on an aircraft carrier, which I've seen happen before, and a battleship. And a, yeah, I think there's a little granted. more. There might be some unique angles. That's like Fenway Park-esque kind of angles for a basketball court. That might be different. So that one I'm not sure about. Yeah. But I saw where Iowa women's basketball played a, a game, I guess, right. last night or the night before on their football field. So, I mean, let's let's explore it. I like it. Right. Nebraska's volleyball. They did that whole big volleyball yeah. thing in their yeah. stadium. I mean, we've got this beautiful entity out there. I think we ought to do it. I think we ought to make this happen. Uh, I've been after Joel well, for like years. We get like a men's league, you know, and just just a bunch of guys out playing too. I mean, you you're, you you want to come over, bring a team. I'll get a team. I, I don't know what we'll you're up, right? I, you're like sort of like a preview to whatever happens next. Like yeah, you have to have an opening act, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know what your in a tank top, we're good. Yeah, I don't know what the insurance policy, what your insurance policy <laughs> handles, but I'm not sure that's the best way to go. Now, I've also for years I've been after Joel for bringing back a live mascot. He just he just laughs and rolls his eyes at me, but. There is probably some liability there now. I don't know what that insurance policy would look like, but I'm guessing there's pretty high liability to have a, a live Jaguar just sort of roaming around in, a, in an exhibit on campus. That that might upset some PETA folks, and it might cause some liability problems. I mean, you put a leash on it, I guess. All right, uh, <laughs> uh, before we let you go, tell everybody again, we, we always appreciate you coming aboard. Uh, tell folks again how they can get tickets for tonight's game. Yeah, so usajaguars.com slash tickets. You can call the ticket office, which is 461-1USA, uh, or come to the ticket booth tonight. Again, hopefully there's none available when you get here, so buy early. But uh, look forward to seeing everybody out. Gates open at 5, tickets 630. you got a team that's playing really well right now. I mean, we've got a really special group. I mean, I, I didn't even mention Colin Lacey. How about that guy? You know, local guy just putting up huge numbers, 723 receiving yards, third in the nation. It's a pretty good show, so we hope to see you here tonight at six thirty. Hey, and if you see a guy with a red solo cup on campus, that's Bronner over there. Just, 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 just wave and keep walking. You don't want to know. Okay, I won't. No, no questions asked. There you go. Appreciate it, Daniel. Thank you. That, Appreciate uh, that uh, game at Iowa, the uh, football stadium, drew over fifty-five thousand for the women's exhibition game against DePaul. But as I was looking, uh, Craig Stevenson is going to join us tomorrow. Of course, he'll be at the game tonight, and he'll be on tomorrow has posted some numbers which the Jags in the past, they've got to overcome. Uh, they're 0-2 on national TV this year. And last year they lost national televised games to uh, UCLA, to Troy, and then the bowl games. So there's that. And also in midweek games, according to Craig, the Jags are 3-11 and in midweek Sunbelt Conference games uh, since they joined the Sunbelt. So a couple of numbers maybe to overturn tonight. They go in as 18.5-point pick. Yeah, uh, I'll stay. I'll, yeah, I'll counter those numbers with your 18 and a half and the other one, which is five straight, as in Southern Miss has lost five straight. They're one and five. Give me the Jaguars. I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. How about against the spread? <laughs> against the spread. I'm I'm going to take I'm going to I'm predicting Eagles. a Jag win, but I'm not sure. I'm going to say they probably will not cover. I'm worried about that nine or 10 day layoff. Ah man, they're going to end the show early. I didn't realize there was all day tailgating opportunities here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could tailgate here. That doesn't seem as fun. Yeah, but clean up when you're done. Wow. I always clean up. Eh. I feel like I'm in one of those uh, commercials where they throw the red flag and they go back to the replay. I feel like that's where we are. All so right. You, so you like the Jags and the 18.
Let me give that some thought. I'll, I'll give you my pick at the end. How I about didn't know you, we Bronner? I like Southern Miss to cover, but the Jags to win by like see, 10. See, I'm going with that, too, because if you oh, look at you the see? previous games. You guys are more alike than I thought. Well, in the previous Southern Miss South games, they've been less than 18, the win for the Jags. Solid thinking. Solid reasoning there. I like where your head's at, Lee. Lee and Michael, more alike than we thought. Both from New Jersey. Both like the Jags to win, not to cover. Both right. like the equipment here on time. You know what? Yeah, yeah, both like the equipment here on time. Both clean up their messes when they're done. I might have to change my pick. Oh, there it is. <laughs> All right, scoreboard traffic and weather and the chance for you to get qualified for the Alec Naiman Catering Party. Stay with us. Plenty left on the opening kickoff. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. The name game. Shirley, 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 for Burley, for Nana, Pana, for Burley, be fine, more Merrily. Shirley. All right, 824. Welcome back in. The uh, opening kickoff. Here we go. Another shot at uh, the Alec Naiman catering party. You know how this goes. Uh, it's called Naming It. We play an audio clip, person, place, or thing. Identify that and uh, with Bronner. Actually, we're going to do this on the air since we're in the studio. Take a listen. Tell us what it is. Take a listen and tell us what it is. What was that, lady? Do you have any idea? Was that a tractor out on the farm? Uh, it's oddly specific that you had to say it was on the farm, like well, you get just, extra credit. Yeah, like uh, going out and ripping up some things, uh, or let's say creating room to farm, farm, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> All right, do we have some guys on the line that want to take a shot at this? All right, go ahead, caller. What was that? A weed trimmer. That is not correct. I appreciate it. It is not a weed trimmer. Uh, we go back to the phones. Go ahead, caller. Welcome to WNSP. Can you tell us what that was? A uh, blender? It was not a blender. It was not a blender. All right, so we got our hands full here. Let's go with another caller. Can you? Oh, someone must have thought it was a blender. It's not a blender. It's not a uh, weed trimmer. It's not a tractor on a farm. Maybe it's just a tractor, but it's not a tractor on a farm. Well, all right. I see your point. All right. Uh, we have another caller. Go ahead, caller. Be, tell us what's going on. How about a wood chipper? It is not a wood chipper. It is not a wood chipper. It's a, it's a good guess, actually. That was a pretty good one. We still going? All right. We're just, we're just picking them up. What do you got, caller? Is it a paper shredder? It is a paper shredder. Congratulations. Who are we talking to? Robbie. Robbie, are you an accountant or a banker or No, sir. No, you just you just you just kind of knew it. All right. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Stay on the line and you'll be the latest to qualify for the uh, chance to win an Alec Naiman catering party and uh Michael will get all your information. So I was close. I, sh I was thinking shredding. <laughs> I just had the uh, wrong instrument. I yeah. I was thinking shredding stuff and I was Yeah. Going. But let's face it, I didn't want to ruin my perfect record. I haven't gotten any right yet. So. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I could see where one would get a tractor and a paper shredder. Sure. Confused. Any shredding is shredding. See, just enough. Didn't go too long. So, uh, congratulations to Robbie. Hey, we'll uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. 
on uh, WNSP, so be listening for details. Uh, we will announce the next one, or I believe it's a week from this Friday. So uh, we have some time. I was getting worried there for a minute. <clears throat> yeah, wood chipper went out there, man. I'll have to keep that one in the old vault and if go you, back to if it. If you listen to it, you can kind of hear the paper crinkling. Yeah. Ripping something up. Making room on the floor, <laughs> but there's a difference between uh, it, there. It's 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 just different when you already know the answer, right? When you know what it is, yeah, you're, you're like, right. Right. So it's like when we played what well, reverse password. Everybody knew what the word was, but for Lee to come up with that word is a lot more difficult when you're out left in the dark. We yeah, need to bring back reverse no, password. That was a nightmare. That was awesome. That too was early in the morning. What? It's the, see, that's not it. It's the opening kickoff. Nothing is too early. What's too early in the morning is 4 a.m. That's too early when too you have a show from 6 to 9. for my brain to work on a password. On a password? Yes. I thought it was awesome. I like reverse password. All right, well. You well, two agree on something. Congratulations. Me and Mark don't tend to go at each other and disagree on a whole lot. I debate that. Mm. You want to debate the fact that we don't debate? <laughs> <laughs> I, must, I must confusing. be turning into a different show then. Uh, we have not debated in quite some time. Well, we have civil discussions, you know? Yeah, you two just don't like each other, clearly. Mm. Me, I'm professional. Where? I'm cordial. What, what, who, where's we this, have, where's we this have, uh, written? We have. See, you're an instigator right now. That's all you do. You just throw push buttons. You really do. You just throw gas on the fire. You're an instigator. We'd all get along much better if you weren't around. So today Lee. I learned something. I, no, I really learned something. I'm working so with a professional mean. today. Yeah. I'm working with a professional today. It took you, you long enough to figure yes. it out, Lee. How many years did it take? You know, every once in a while I'll have memories pop up on my Facebook feed. We've been at it in our second stint for like eight or ten years now. We have? Yeah, it's been a long time. It's longer than a lot of marriages. Well, oh, you know, that's sad. Lee, we've talked about this before. Lee went through co-hosts like like <laughs> underwear just daily he was just recycling he's been stuck with me for a while or i've been stuck with him for a while mm. that's a fair assessment they they do not give me hazard pay i think i deserve it at this point or shredding pay yeah all right we're gonna talk some auburn uh, justin ferguson joins us next right here on the sports station wnsb here on a uh, Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, and Bronner right here from the studios of WNSP. Talk some Auburn football now with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Good morning, Justin. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but as I watched some of that game, I kind of got lost in the barrage of LSU touchdowns. Hugh Freeze looked like a guy that, like, perhaps wished he was somewhere else but on the sideline like what am i what's going on out here do you it's like what what can i do why is my offense so bad yeah i mean it, it, he definitely felt like a guy that gets i mean kind of everything kind of snowballed on him saturday night and for the team auburn got off to such a bad start in that game 
And uh, he said he said Saturday, or he said yesterday, that it just felt like everybody was kind of like zombies after after that initial burst. And Auburn had a couple of good drives, a couple of good stops by the defense, but vast majority was just LSU doing whatever it wanted. And so, yeah, I mean, it was uh, looked like a looked like the team was pretty much shell shocked, and and that included the head coach. All right, let me ask you this: from your assessment, you were there, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. All right, Justin. Let me ask you this. From reading reports on the game and then hearing from a few people, and I'm not going to name names, but it's one thing like Nick Saban praised Arkansas for playing hard right to the finish. The, the, uh, the, the, the talk I get about Auburn was that they didn't compete and they were listless. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, not all the way through. Uh, I thought there were some times towards the middle of the game where Auburn took some fight, you know, kind of clawed, clawed out of that hole a little bit. But, yeah, by the second half, they, you know, defensively, I think uh, the effort and the energy level wasn't good. Body language wasn't great either. You know, I asked Freeze about that Saturday night after the game. He said, I don't think we fought as hard as we could have and we should have. And that's on, you know, he said, that's on me. Um, talked to a few players after the game, and they seemed pretty – pretty frustrated with the fact that the effort level overall just wasn't what, what it was supposed to be. And, and that's a, that's something that they've got to fix, uh, especially on defense, because, you know, this offense kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, you can get better, but like, you know, Auburn's going to, you know, it's not like Auburn can really change a ton about who they are at this point in the year. Defensively, they're going to have to keep playing hard and, and keeping them in games. Cause you know, you look, Cal game defense helped them win a huge way. Texas A&M game defense kept them in the game. Georgia game, you know, defense gave them a chance to win. LSU they didn't have that. And LSU's offense is really, really good. Um, there's no doubt about that. But um, this they did not play up to the standard that they have set for themselves, and that's tough because you know you got Ole Miss this weekend, and they're really awesome on offense as well. Uh, and you got to be able to keep fighting hard. So, yeah, it, it was a game where I think that snowball effect happened to them, and, uh, you know, they they dropped off, and they can't, they can't do that. This team's not talented enough uh, to, to survive stretches like that. All right, the narrative going into these games, well, Peyton Thorne came in late, and they haven't had time. Do you think during this year we're ever going to get past that? I mean, at what point do you say, look, he's, he was fall practice, uh, they, they were into what game seven now or whatever, you know, with the three and three record, they went through that, that stretch. Do we ever get to the point where we can put that aside and say they should be clicking now? They should be better. I mean, I, I, I always had my doubts. This, this passive attack was going to be good overall, but they should be a lot better than they are. They're towards the bottom of the country in, in a lot of statistics right now, throwing the ball and, yeah, I mean, you know, you you should be better than what they are. Auburn's, you know, Auburn's struggling. Their quarterbacks have struggled. Uh, obviously, Peyton Thorne's not been, you know, what was you know expected of him coming out of Michigan State. I think Auburn's, you know, wrote about it this morning. Auburn's wide receivers, the guys playing on the outside, they just haven't made enough plays on the outside either, so they're very limited in scope. Uh, but yeah, it's just there's a lot of things that have just gone wrong. I mean, nothing is really consistent about that passing attack, and you should expect them to be better. Even though Auburn isn't at the talent level of a lot of teams, uh, you know, and, and, and contending teams, I should say, um, you should be better than this. You know, and I think that's the thing that's frustrating most about it for Hugh Freeze and a lot of these players is like, hey, they know that they're better than what they're putting out on the field. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
while this offense was going to, you know, really have to do a ton to like be like firing on all cylinders this season against uh, top competition, you should be a lot better than, than what they are right now. And, and second half of the season, the interesting thing here coming up is, you know, last three games, A&M, Georgia, LSU, the talent level, there is a gap. There was a talent gap, and it was, it was obvious. The, uh, between now and the Bama game, there really isn't that big of a talent gap, um, on paper at least. Ole Miss is a good team, yes, but it's not like they're these perennially awesome recruiters like the teams you played as, State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt coming up. Like Auburn, they got to just start playing better football because they're winnable games down the stretch, and they got to – you know, they got to figure some things out because, you know, the excuse of, well, we don't have the roster where we need it yet. And, you know, we need to be playing catch up and recruiting. That only goes so far against some of the teams they've got coming up. It made sense against A&M, Georgia, and LSU. And you could have played a lot better in those games as well. But, um, you know, starting this second half of the season until they get to Alabama, um, you know, they've got they to be playing a lot better, better football than what they put out on the field because they could win. And they could still win some games if they do. So, uh, so obviously we, we've talked about the quarterbacks, but has Hugh kind of talked about the reasoning for pulling guys, pulling a quarterback when he pulls them, or, or like, so against LSU, I know. So Ashford goes out there and leads them to a field goal in the second half, right? So they bring him back out, and I think he plays like they get to like third down. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember all the exact details. But then they pull him for Thorne, and then we don't see Ashford again. But he he clearly had moved them a little bit there. I mean, I at that point you're not yeah. going to win the game. I just I feel like we're kind of we're trying to force an issue here. Yeah, no, it it is a you know sometimes a confusing thing going back and forth, and I think the basic you know it boils down to this: Robbie Ashford is not being asked to run the full scope of the offense. So there are situations and there are times when Auburn needs to throw the ball downfield or run something in like a two-minute drill or something like that, which we saw at the end of the second quarter against LSU, that, you know, they just don't have it installed for him. They just haven't worked on it with him, and they put Peyton Thorne back into the yeah. game. And, and and so the thing with Ashford is that he's running a package. Now, you've seen this package a lot more the last couple of weeks against Georgia and, and against LSU, but it is still a package. It is still, you know, tight end heavy, running back heavy. Um, you know, and and he's not running the full scope of the offense. And at this point, it's fair to assume that you know it's unless something massive changes, it doesn't seem like Auburn's going to ask them to do, him to do that. So they want to get the positives of the Ashford package. They want to be able to move the ball with him, but there are going to be times and situations where um, they need to do something else. And as it stands right now, they do not look like a team that is trusting him to do that. Um, and so they are putting Thorne back in the game. And yesterday, obviously, Freeze was asked a lot about the quarterback shuffle and, and, and whatnot about playing Robbie. And he said everything's up, you know up, you know still up in the air, and you know they're they're exploring all these options. But he did say that they expect to still play the two quarterback system. So, I mean, at this point in the year, it seems like that's going to be here to stay. But I think it comes back down to the fact that um, what we see Robbie Ashford do, and you know, against LSU, a lot of it was good. It's still very limited in, in the play calls. Yeah. Has there been much attention given or with Auburn Observer that this being Hugh Freeze's uh, first encounter against the, the former SEC school, or has there been such a gap when he went to Liberty that that just doesn't matter? Well, he did coach against them when he was at Liberty and went to Oxford, and, and he talked about that yesterday that, you know, it is – 
it helps him more, uh, I think, you know, emotionally just saying, okay, I have played Ole Miss before. I've had to deal with this before, and I'm okay, you know, with that. It, it'll probably hit a little different because it's an SEC game, uh, and it's a bigger game, and, you know, it's one at home. And, you know, Auburn fans are, are you know, as, as much as Auburn has struggled, um, you know, in this losing streak, and obviously the Georgia game they did play well, uh, you know, much better, and I should say, than what they did. Uh, in the other two games, but they're expecting Auburn fans to, you know, it's another sellout crowd, night game, charged up, should be a great atmosphere. Um, so there's going to be some of that that's going to be lumped into it. But, yeah, I do think the fact that this isn't like the first time he's had to face, L- face Ole Miss since uh, he left, I think is, that's, he said yesterday it's definitely going to help him out. So just be interested to see. I do think it will still be a very emotional game. The crowd's going to be amped up in this one. Uh, obviously, you got Lane Kiffin on the other sideline as well, and there was the, you know, uh, obviously everything going on last season with Auburn, you know, trying to go after him as as to be their next head coach. It should still be, you know, no matter what happened last week in Baton Rouge, it should still be a pretty emotional and loud game Saturday night. So, are there any changes they can make? It's not like you can go out and make a trade like you can in professional sure. sports. So, what I mean, where can he improve on the offensive line? I mean, you. Are there people still in the program that he can call on and maybe give him a shot? Yeah, I, I don't think uh, you know. That's the interesting thing is that I think the offensive line, when it's healthy, is not the biggest concern. It, to me, it goes back to the wide receivers and just the fact that Auburn's not making enough plays on the outside. Um, you've got Jay Fair, you've got Javarius Johnson when he's healthy. They played a little bit of Caleb Burton on Saturday. The problem is all those guys are under six feet tall. They're all slot receivers. Um, your tight ends. You know, play better. Uh, obviously, you've got Rivaldo Fairweather and Brandon Frazier caught a bunch of passes from from uh, Robbie Ashford and scored on Saturday. It just kind of limits the scope. Auburn's got to find ways to just you know, stretch the field. Like, and I mean, horizontally as much as vertically, um, they got to find ways to like. Can you start winning some of these one on ones on the outside? Um, and you know, maybe it's just mixing some things up. Maybe it's playing a guy like Rivaldo Fairweather outside more. Camden Brown had a couple of catches in a row against LSU, kind of broke out a little bit. He's got some decent metrics this year. Maybe play him some more. It's just the outside receiving just is not working right now, and I think that's just kind of limiting what they do. And then on top of that, strategically, I think you should cha- you can change some things as well. And the two big things there is number one, do you run the ball more than you than than you, than you are right now? A lot of these RPO throws that Auburn missed against LSU it's the right play call and the right the right decision in the framework of the of the scheme to throw those one-on-one balls but if they're not working you might as well just try to run it even though you know even though you know that you're going to be facing some teams that are going to be loading up against the run maybe you know free said yesterday that might be something they have to do a little bit more and then secondly do they run tempo more um the you know freeze Philip Montgomery you know a lot of these players on this offense are used to playing at a fast pace we've seen Auburn do a good job at times, kind of better when they're playing with pace. But, you know, it's a catch-22 because if you play fast, um, you're putting more pressure on a defense that's thin right now, banged up. They don't have the depth. They've had some injuries. And if you play fast and, and you, you know, quickly uh, turn the ball over on downs or punt it or whatever, uh, you're just making your defense put them in an even worse position. So uh, those are two things that they've got to weigh those options. Yeah, they've got to find ways to make more plays out wide. And then, two, like, they got to be strategic if they're going to use any tempo because even if that might be the best way this offense has looked this year, might not be the best thing overall for the team uh, because of, because of the depth issues on defense. So um, they can they can change some things, they can they can tweak some things, 
Um, but, you know, halfway through the year, you kind of are who you are in terms of personnel. might just be changing up the ways you use them. Finally, does uh, Auburn beat Ole Miss this Saturday? It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if Auburn comes out and plays a better game. Um, you know, it's it, they have played a lot better at home than they have on the road. I mean, you you know, the same team that got blasted by LSU last week was two weeks earlier, um, took Georgia down to the wire. So I think Ole Miss, you know, it's possible they need to play a really good clean game on defense. They got to step up and show out in that way. Um, you know, so I think Jordan Hare's going to have to play a pretty big advantage there. I, you know, I would pick Auburn to win straight up right right now. Um, just because I think, you know, Ole Miss has been playing better football. They're coming off an off week of their own. They've definitely got the offensive firepower and, and, and Auburn's defense is going to have to really bounce back from last week. But, it would not shock me at all if this is a close game, four-quarter game, and, and Jordan here just because I think Auburn just played like a different team in there as we saw from the Georgia game. Hey, man, always good to catch up. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. How can uh, people continue to follow your coverage of uh, the Tigers? Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. Got a lot of stuff on Auburn football, uh, SEC media days and basketballs tomorrow. So lots of basketball stuff over the next couple of days. Uh, and then plenty of stuff over the weekend as Auburn takes on Ole Miss. Uh, $6 a month, $60 a year to subscribe. We email everything out to you, all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts, and we're putting out a ton of stuff each day. So AuburnObserver.com. Hey, man, thanks. We'll be in touch. Yep, thank you, guys. That's Justin Ferguson, ladies and gentlemen. All right, one final segment of the day. You guys can jump in. Uh, looking at the uh, comments in the app, you guys don't give Auburn a whole lot of chance there against Ole Miss this weekend. Um, can't say I blame you. It's not. There's really not a whole lot to. Now, why should they be given a chance? Well, from your perspective, because they're Auburn. They can't. They can't do anything on offense, man. Now I'm kind of rooting for them. <laughs> I would root for them. I, I don't. I, I don't care if they win or lose. But I mean, it's it's atrocious. You're a happy person. Happier person when they lose, though, right? You know, I don't I'm mind admit, asking. Admit it. Come on, shout it out. Don't don't hide behind that little microphone there. of yours. Yeah. I don't care if they win or lose. You don't. I, I you don't you want do. them to win. I know that. I'm not rooting for them. But you don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One final segment. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. Today, you guys can uh, jump in if you'd like at 694-1055. That's the number. Uh, Jags tonight, 630 kick. ESPN 2. ESPN 2. 18 and a half point pick. Again, I, I, I'm picking the Jags to win, but I don't think they're going to cover. And, and I'll tell you, that nine-day layoff really worries me about the concern i see you know in sports the the teams in the you know in baseball that had the layoff it didn't help we saw auburn played terribly after the layoff i'm not i i think south alabama is going to win this game and you know get a nationally televised win to put it bluntly because they need it i'm gonna go the other way 
I think not only do they win, I think they cover. I think this gets right. out of hand. I think they're going to be pumped. I don't think a nine day is the same. Like, granted, this Tuesday game is very weird, but I don't think it's it's a it's a your typical layoff. I mean, it's just a couple extra days. I like it. The weather's changed. They're going to be pumped. A night game at home. I think they uh they're Hope going to right. feast on Southern well, Miss. I, actually, feast. I don't. It doesn't matter to me whether they win by more than twenty, as long as they win. That's how I feel. I don't care if it's less than eighteen or more. I just want them to win to go over five hundred, get a win on national TV. And Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you know they win by two touchdowns. Maybe if if you have a bet on South, you're you're sweating it to the end, but ultimately it's like a fourteen point win. Mm-hmm. Do you bet on these games? Nah. <laughs> on like a Tuesday night South game? Nah. Only only if you have like a, a feeling. Like, you know, Ole Miss minus seven against Auburn. Ooh. Well, I'm really looking forward to watching the game. Um as I told you, Mark, we're gonna well you already know we're going to Daphne on Friday, and of course the place kicker for South Alabama is a Daphne alum, so you know, hopefully he'll have a good game and maybe something we could talk about on uh, Friday. All right. Or we could talk about tomorrow. Might as well. Because <laughs> we'll have Saints to talk about on. on uh, this might be the first time where we've had a, uh, a couple of our teams, like more than one of our teams, playing midweek. In fact, right? Yes. I mean, You're right. South on Tuesday, Saints on Thursday. You're right. Exactly. It's going to be an crazy. electric basketball season, though. It's gonna be a what? Electric basketball season. Why? In the why SEC. do you, Why do you say that? Oh, I think the SEC is just very competitive. I think Bama and Auburn both have their hats in the ring, and how did, Tennessee's how did gonna be good. A and M's gonna be good. How did that weave its way into the conversation about the Saints and? Well, just Jags. in the sense that midweek games and yada yada yada, we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just didn't see that coming. I'm sorry. And yada yada yada. Just adding to the professionalism of the opening kickoff. Thank you, Michael. You know, college basketball. Get ready for it. We got like 23 days. Hmm. You know, actually, Southern Miss has put up some points. I'm doing a little research here. Well, if you go back in the the three games, they've been less than 20 points. I think at least the last two. They haven't they haven't been runaways. They um, lost to Old Dominion by four. Texas State beat them by 14, but Texas State put up 50. Oh, that's uh, Finley's team. Uh, Arkansas State beat them by seven. Ooh, I might that, have to rethink this that's, pick. Mark, that's a bad loss, though, mm. losing to Arkansas State. They lost to Tulane 20, uh, 21 to three. I might have to change my pick here. <laughs> In the span of five minutes. <laughs> well, that didn't take no, long. No, what I should have done before I made my pick. Is it, check it out. Is, is actually do some research. Yeah, I, I didn't make much research on this one. Um, I just think even though they're one in five, that Southern Miss close to home, it's a rival game. And again, maybe I, I'm I, I'm going against what I believe in. I, I don't think you should go back and, and look at previous games and things like that. But again, the only thing that concerns me is the, is the layoff. I, I just... They they come off that terrific fifty five to seven win or whatever it was against ULM and then have this long layoff and you know can you get it back together that soon and I'm hoping they can I, I the Jags need a vin, a victory on national TV because as Craig Stevenson pointed out they were like zero and three last year and zero and two this year so they really need it yeah they've also kind of struggled a little bit 
you know, coming off a bit of the big winning at Oklahoma State, they had a letdown performance the week yeah. after. So I, I, I've had trouble figuring out this team this season in general. Uh, yeah, the long week does scare me a little bit. Again, I'm not gonna pick them to lose outright as an 18 point favorite at home, but I, maybe it's a little bit sluggish, or maybe they pull away at the end. Hmm. He right. look at he's still Michael. He's still contemplating. <laughs> he's really going deep diving into this Running one. Out of time. <laughs> I've never seen him spend this much time on a game before. <laughs> Usually we just spout them out one after another when we do the show on Friday. The no, you do, and then you get upset when I give I like, don't get upset. reasons for my – you're like, come on, we got to get to all these games, well, and you're like, I'll take Alabama. That, there's no reason to get into it because I, I listen to – That's the whole to, point of doing a picks. No, I'm though. saying I can give the pick. I don't need to go – into it because you already do it. You do okay, uh, but I—that's one of my. Would say otherwise. Yeah, that's true. I, I was trying to build a case for you, but the thing is, I li- I listen so much, and most of the time I listen to these guys on TV pick, and they're dead wrong. I went, oh well, they're they're going to run the football and they're going to run it well. Oh, guess what? He threw the football and they passed. So most of the time, they may be right on the game, but they're not right on how it the outcome was. So I just. I don't think anybody really cares what I have to say about how the game will go. Just who I'm picking and go from there. Lee, talk about a stinks of the week, by the yeah. way. What do you got? I was dead right on USC, man. That is not a serious team. That ha- That's a team with one good player on it. I mean, that, them getting killed by Notre Dame was the most predictable thing ever. And if you look at their schedule, by the way, that's a team that might lose four out of the last five. You mean you mean Southern Cal? Southern, yes. Okay. That USC. The Caleb Williams USC. Yes. Yes. Not South Carolina. Not South Carolina. They had a they had a good game. That was another Florida. bad loss. I I you I picked South Carolina to I did beat Florida. It, I did it, I did as well. That was a close point spread. But yeah, I mean I, I mean USC. I mean they got to play Washington and Oregon and back to back week. They're gonna finish like eight and four. That team that team's horrible. Lincoln what? Riley complete and utter fraud. Had some great quarterbacks. Not a great coach. Well, there goes his pro job. Yeah. All right, well, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. Guess what? We'll be back in studio for a second consecutive day tomorrow. So until then at 6 a.m., see ya!